Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A quick reminder, you can find us on blogtalkradio.com slash AE, or you can find us on any of our major podcast networks, such as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and so on and so forth. A, also, another reminder that next Friday night, we will be back with another edition of the Big Brother 25 recap show, which we're heading off of a double eviction this upcoming week. So Melissa and I are going to have a lot to talk about on Friday night. So that's something uh, for Big Brother fans to keep an eye on for next Friday night. However, we do have sports to cover this week. Uh, currently, we have Lou on the line with us. Uh, I'm sure I do know that Alex is going to be joining us at some point, uh, probably around 9:30 or so. Uh, Lou, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of stuff every single week. Later. Yeah. Huh? Diane will be along a little bit later on. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Well, there's a ton of stuff, Lou. That we uh, yeah. obviously we have a ton of stuff every single week to begin with, but uh, it really seems like there's a lot more this week. Uh, in particular, yes, uh, we'll start off with the world of wrestling, and also not just wrestling, but also mixed martial arts, because that big Uh-oh. deal that everybody knows about the merger between the UFC and the WWE has been made official. It has been made official as of this past, I think it was this past Monday or this past Tuesday. uh, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. Uh, The UFC and the WWE have have officially merged. Uh, Now they are being officially traded on the New York Stock Exchange as TKO, uh, TKO Group Holdings in particular. But, uh, and actually their their uh, stock price opened up at, I believe it was $102 per share that it mm. opened up as. And now obviously I'm looking at the wrong price here right now. I'm trying to find the... <laughs> I'm trying to find the actual price. For some reason, it's giving me, like, something in Tokyo. Uh, okay, yeah. As that of closing time yesterday. Yeah, that would that would be in yen if it was if it was from Tokyo. Uh, but, yeah. So, so far in the early goings of their company, uh, the highest the stock price has risen is $103 per share, which, mm. I mean, come to think of it, that's basically what WWE was making before they officially closed matters, before they officially closed their stock prices. Uh, UFC, I don't know, I forget exactly what UFC was uh, had closed out at 
But everything is already starting to uh, unravel here. And obviously, whenever you see two companies merge, there's always going to be some sort of there's always going to be some sort of layoff, uh, some sort of mass layoffs. Yep. And so far, they've said up to 100 people have been laid off as a result of this merger becoming official. Uh, one of them okay. who is noteworthy, one of them who is noteworthy is Dana Warrior, who is the wife of WWE Hall of Famer and uh the deceased Ultimate Warrior, who was wow. with the WWE. Uh, she was working with the WWE as part of their community outreach program. So uh, yeah. she is out the window. Uh, other oh people that have been reported as laid off, uh, Jamie Horowitz, who was the executive vice president of development and digital Right, so basically, right. WWE, the WWE Network, essentially. Uh, he had been with the company since June of 2021. Uh, Catherine Newman, who was the executive vice president and head of marketing, has officially left. Uh, she was in charge of marketing, branding, community relations, as well as entertainment relations, creative services, and photography, which, I mean, ju- just judging by the merger itself, a lot of these positions, since it's, yeah. you know, since they're now merged as a whole company, I guess I yes. can't really say we're surprised because... No, no not at all. I mean, tech, technically, a lot of these, it, it, they're going to be having one person in particular carrying out the duties for the company in general. Yeah. So um, a, lot of the, a lot of these... So, you know, a lot of these things, I guess you could say, are not really surprising. Uh, Amanda Bloom, no. who had been That's the director of uh, – she had basically been the director of data, of enterprise master data and governance yes. for the last seven years for WWE. She has now yes. departed the company. Uh, if anything, Lou, I'd say maybe the biggest surprise of all of this uh, of this official merger and the layoffs, Dana Warrior was was laid off. And in particular the only book surprise. Yeah, and in particular, Lou, I think the big reason is because the reason why I'm surprised is because of the fact that WWE made such a big deal when the Ultimate Warrior passed away to ensure that uh his that his wishes would be kept and you know that they would they would help closely work with the community and Dana or Dana Warrior his wife had been had been working with the WWE on that since his death yes. and now that now that the merger has happened I guess I I guess I could just say I'm surprised that she was let go because I would think that they would have continued with that with uh, with her officially technically representing her husband essentially, right. but uh, yeah. regardless, though, um, from what it sounds like, 
it sounds like uh, Vince McMahon actually now has a huge role in in the TKO group. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, the UFC holds the majority stake in this, 51% to 49%. Uh, but apparently Vince has an elevated role in this new company now. You know, he's yeah. I mean, he's still the chairman of the WWE, but uh, he apparently, because of his relationship with uh, Endeavor's CEO, Ari Emanuel, uh, he yeah. now has an even higher role uh, in this merged company compared to him just being the owner of the WWE. Right. So... I mean, to you know, to me, it just—I I find it. I, I guess, I guess, I, I guess you could say you can't really find it surprising that he has a role higher no. than Dana White when you consider the fact that, uh, in terms of longevity, he's been doing this business a lot longer than Dana White has been doing the UFC. Yeah, but I think. The one, you know, just the one, the one thing that's maybe surprising is the fact that this now basically allows Vince to essentially hide, you could say, from those allegations that had been uh, that had been brought against him. You know, the uh, allegations of sexual assault and whatnot, or. Uh, like like all all those different allegations now have seemingly been swept under the rug, and totally. now, you know, now we have the now we have this new company, and by the way, from what it sounds like, it sounds like they're planning that uh, there would be there's probably going to be talent cuts that are going to be coming forward when it comes to uh, wrestlers. Uh, it's possible that there that there might be uh, there might be wrestlers that get cut, uh, mm. but from what That's it sounds like, it well. sounds like no, it's not going to. It's not it's not going to go over no. well. Uh, depending on who gets cut, that is, I don't yeah. think it'll go over well. Um, no. I mean, I do know one of the ones who's already supposedly been cut has been Elias, which I guess that technically yeah. makes it, it makes sense because he hasn't been used in months. So why keep him if you're not going to do anything with him? So I'm yeah. not really surprised by that. Uh, I do think, though, that some people who are currently on the roster – uh, who are actually like actively wrestling today may yeah. potentially be affected, um, especially with the news that Jade Cargill may be jumping ship over from AEW over to WWE. Uh, she's such a big name that they're probably going to have to make room for her. So it looks like there's there's potential at least that. Yeah. We could see certain stars who are currently performing 
get cut. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see the big stars like a Seth Rollins or a Roman Reigns or a Rhea Ripley get cut. But uh, it sounds like that, at least according to HouseOfWrestling.com, uh, a WWE source claimed that major cuts are expected to not just the main roster, but also the NXT brand as well, as a result of the company uh, the company merger having been finalized. Uh, right now, they're going through the employee cuts, but, I mean, th- this is the thing, is that not, not only uh, – you know, it's it's easier for for them to yeah. go into uh, employee cut or no, it's it's easier for them to do employee cuts first than it is to do talent cuts first. Because obviously, you know, with like I like I said earlier, with them being one whole company now, they don't need two or more people being at the same position between both uh, companies. Now, uh, we're adding Alex to the call now. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, We are just recently talking about the WWE and UFC merger that officially got finalized this past Tuesday. And in particular, there have been cuts that have already been made to the employee list. And now there's potential that it's, it sounds like uh, there may be some talent from the main roster and, or from, from the wrestling roster in general, I should just say that may potentially uh, be laid off as a result of this. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Alex, first off on, the state of, I guess you can call it combat sports or combat sports mixing with sports entertainment now that the WWE and UFC have officially been merged. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a chance for the two most, one of the two, two of the most powerful entities in the sports world and entertainment world to join forces, so. The song are going to get a lot stronger, even. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good move for both parties as well. Right, uh, Lou, Lou. What are your what are your thoughts? Because um, you know, like Alex said, these are two huge entities, and now it yeah. kind of sounds like WWE may actually be eliminating the sports entertainment aspect, and they may go back to because UFC is a combat sports uh, yeah. type, they may decide to get rid of the sports entertainment aspect of wrestling and they may go back to being what the WWE used to be, which was about professional wrestling. Mm. Well, the main, with the uh, murder that I think they're, they're going to have to, you know, they'll cut out the um, phony stuff and, you know, get back to, get back to basics. So, uh, that doesn't really surprise me at all. You know, that's when wrestling, though, was in its, you know, in its core, in its prime. And that's what's been missing. So, thankfully, uh, you know, this murder now, now they can get back to what they were supposed to be doing in the first place. Which I think would be welcome. Right. Oh, yeah, no, I think I think it'll definitely be welcome. I think I it'll be it. welcome 
I think it'll be welcome depending on depending on what uh, on how things shake out because obviously you know there's still more stuff to yeah kind of scrape th- to kind of scrape through with this uh, with this official merger and they're already talking about setting up an all star uh, like all star type weekend where WWE and UFC hold their pay-per-views all on the same weekend and they coordinate uh-huh. it to where WWE goes back to goes back to being on Sundays instead of Saturdays competing with the UFC and yeah basically basically uh their ultimate plan is to have it where WWE holds their Friday night smackdown on Fridays the UFC yes. will have their pay-per-view on Saturdays and right. WWE will go back to holding their pay-per-views on Sundays and potentially and potentially they may all be from the same exact city oh boy so like you could see you could see SmackDown being in Chicago, then the UFC the very next night being being in Chicago, and the WWE yeah. then uh, a night later hailing from that same exact arena in Chicago. Wow. Yeah, you have the two big I mean, tabulars and the two, the two like combat fighting sports combining. So now they can double their efforts, and now they can coordinate and work together for scheduling and marketing and advertising. But like, like Steve, like you just said, I'm just naming this potential schedule, they can help like corner or like take over like a Saturday night or a Sunday night. You know, if they combine, the popularity of both is just continues to thrive every year. So like combining, I think right. it's be a boon. Like attract even more and like you know add even more fuel to their momentum and their fire. Like they're both on a big upward trajectory either way. So to combine them, it's, that could be pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, you're right. And you know, the one thing, the one thing that still worries me though is what is this going to do when it comes to the pricing? I mean, we talked about this last week. Yeah. You know, True. when we when we discussed when we discussed the DMCA uh attempt that uh UFC and all of the, and a couple of the sports leagues are attempting to overcome um the big question would be what happens to the current pricing of these events yeah because now that they're operating under one banner they could just decide oh we're going to have all these events go at a regular scheduled price instead of Oh, WWE does nine ninety nine a month. UFC does uh, does a certain amount per pay per view. So it's like, are we going to go back to, you know, are, you know, are we are we going to do where UFC are, are we going to keep things the same, or is it going to be one set thing where, oh, if you pay this much for a UFC event, you're then going to pay this much you're going to pay the same price for a WWE event. Or could we potentially see the two get packaged together? I would think I mean, there's a a lot of possibilities. I think that's definitely one distinct possibility is they may decide to try and package the two entities. 
they may yeah they may try to package the two entity entities together when it comes to uh, when it comes to subscriptions or whatnot. But um, also a uh, just a, just another note as well. Uh, wrestling saw the return of Dwayne The Rock Johnson last night, uh, turning to SmackDown, and it sounds like this may be a precursor to set himself up for a potential main event match at the upcoming WrestleMania, which is uh, scheduled to be in Philadelphia next year. And obviously, the reason why we're seeing wrestlers like John Cena and The Rock who have ventured into acting and now all of a sudden they're coming back to the WWE, obviously it's because of the strike that's currently taking place right in the, uh, in the world of acting. So, um, I mean, you know, that, that just, yeah, but that, that just further adds, yeah. I mean, what what are your thoughts, uh, Lou, on on them basically returning? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I come out. I mean, you know, they've actual wrestling's been missing. Like I said, they need the, they need the big draws, they need the big stars, uh, the Rock and everything. It's just what the WWE has been missing. And even though the Ryder Strike is even, you know. Uh, still going strong, even with bad acting. Uh, you know, it's gonna, it's, you know, it's gonna help. It's, it's gonna help. I think uh, WWE, you know, to bring they bring back the big boys because they're because they're really struggling right now. Well, I, I mean, they're not struggling, but it's just a it's just well, the fact yeah. that if they can get, you know, yeah. if they if they can get back to. If if they can maximize the amount of time that The Rock and Cena are available because of the strikes, that ultimately, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's face it, they still they still are huge draws, despite being semi despite being semi retired, or in The Rock's case, technically he's been retired for a couple of years now. Um, yes, he is. You know, if there's still huge draws, why not bring them back? Yeah, I mean, if they want to come back, sure. What, what are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, wait. Imagine if the NBA or uh, hockey, NBA would be fun. I mean, like, if you could bring back random players like that, of course. If you yeah. could lure back some of the greats, yeah, that that again professional league would be absolutely foolish not to try to attract them back and the fans love it so it's like if you can get people to come back for wrestling they're adding to their talent and bringing up some other some previous people that drew a big rating so that could help viewership and stuff like that so it's a good marketing move for sure yeah i can just see it now baby come back never never mind okay i should pick up on that one oh yeah by the way, Steve I have Steve been. Steve, uh, I swear on another show. Oh, okay. you're too young, uh, but, and I'm old. 
Yeah, by, by the way, I did uh, I did speak to Jim. Uh, we are going to continue to do the uh, football picks that we do every week. Right. And uh, they will now be called Whisper's Wishes. So basically, like uh, we'll be doing them for for the spread. Uh so, so technically, we will be picking for the spread, but uh, I don't believe it's going to count towards uh, games gridiron. So, uh, okay. Yeah, it won't count that. towards games gridiron, but uh, it's basically going to be like a weekly segment that we will do oh, for nice. uh, for for uh, Sports Whispers Weekly. So. Oh, nice. Uh, as long as I'm interrupted by other sources, are, yes. Okay, we'll get recap. What what's that, Alex? Picks are going to be kept track of, like it's week to week, like the other one. Uh, I don't know exactly if they're going to be kept track of. I mean, we could we could probably do that, uh, but we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But it's not it's not going to be like the oh. other one where there's going to be like a where at least I don't think so right now, uh, where there's going to be like a leaderboard and everything. Um, okay, cool. But uh, I know Jim's trying to get on here. I don't know why. I don't know why uh, Blog Talk Radio isn't letting him isn't letting him mm. connect to the call. Because I'm actually I'm actually talking with him right now, and for some re- for some reason it's not uh, it's not letting him connect to the uh, to the show, uh, oh. but. Hopefully, I can get him on here if uh, if Blog Talk will stop screwing with his uh, will stop screwing with with, uh, with his phone and allow him to actually yeah. connect. But uh, we do have uh, other stuff to get to. Obviously, the big story of last week would be the debut, the very short debut yep. of Aaron Rodgers. And Lou, I know you gotta be you gotta be uh pretty disappointed. Well, actually mixed reaction because we did win the game, so it wasn't at all but you know, I think he was gonna get hurt anyway. I didn't think it was gonna be hurt right away, but I did figure it was gonna happen at some point. So it doesn't surprise me completely. I mean, you know, Rodgers is not the quarterback he used to be. I mean, you know, everyone was thinking, well, it's just, you know, he was doing, you know, the Aaron Rodgers when he, was, when he won the Super Bowl with the Packers, or we're going to get the uh, broken down model, which it, uh, it seems like we did. Oh, and this was even worse. You know, his, his glory days are over, uh, to be honest with you. So I don't think we were going to be able to see, you know, what he once was. The fact he got hurt, I think I'm going to give him like maybe like half a season before something like what happened. But I didn't expect him to be injured so early in, the, in game one. Yeah, I know it's it, it it definitely was a shock for sure to see him get injured. And you know, yeah. this brings up another another topic of discussion that we're gonna get that we're gonna get to as well. Uh, when it comes to turf against grass, because oh, yeah. 
I mean, there's quite, there's, this has been a, this has quite frankly been, been a discussion that's been going on for years, you know, when it comes to About decades. whether or not, whether or not players prefer to work on turf or, or, uh, or, you know, play on grass. And right. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think, I think that argument just got a little bit stronger with yep. this most recent injury to Aaron Rodgers. And it it is a torn Achilles officially. And it's weird Bye-bye. because like I like I uh like I was talking with you guys earlier uh before the podcast, he didn't even look like he was injured. Like it, it looked like he basically dropped down when or like he he was up and walking and then all of a sudden it was like he took he took a seat down on the on the uh on the turf and i i don't know you know i thought at first that he was basically trying to buy some time when it comes to when it comes to the, you know, maybe somebody needed some, maybe needed to to catch their breath or whatnot on the uh, on the sidelines or something, or maybe they needed more time to get, you know, to get to get a injured teammate potentially over to the sidelines. I was stunned that, yeah, all of a sudden. You know, he basically uh, he got taken off, and when we saw him get carted off, or no, he didn't. He didn't get carted off. He got helped off the field no. by uh, by trainers, and then the cart came over, and and then yeah. took him to the locker room. But. That's peculiar. And then once he got off the cart, you could see how you could you could see how uh, you know how big of a limp he had. Yeah. That you know a lot of people were speculating what could it be. You know people thought it was an ankle, and all of a sudden you know it just completely it took everybody by surprise when when it was officially ruled a torn Achilles I mean Alex what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers going down early and what what impact do you think that this has on the Jets uh, season well I mean so many had such high hopes for them and high great expectations I mean they're I still right after that game too that just further proved what I already thought that I think they have the best defense in the NFL right now I mean, they're ready. They're ready to go with a good quarterback. So it's it's really crushing to their their current season right now. Their prospects. And he's not, you know, he's older. He's in his twilight, and that's a really tough injury to come back from the next year fully. There's, a, I mean, the odds are stacked. He's he's up for the challenge apparently. But I mean, yeah, it's just deflating. Right. And they still pulled out the win. I mean, Real quick. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, they, and then the defense is loaded. I mean. I don't. I, I think they should trade for a veteran quarterback. But I'll say that much because that's still a playoff team. With, that's still a playoff team real, real, with a decent real, quarterback now. Hang on, hang on, Alex. Uh, real quick, uh, 
now he disconnected again. Hmm. I think they'll add someone. That's what I think of the Jets. They're going to add someone a quarterback within within a couple weeks. They have to. Because I mean, they still have weapons. They can still win twelve games. I think with it with a pretty good quarterback. They're obviously not with Brady. Wilson. Not with Wilson though. No. No. If they want like the playoffs, just a playoff ready roster all around, except for that one spot. So if they address that spot, they're still in the mix. So with that defense and those playmakers, they still got a shot. They need a quarterback. Don't boil yes, but Wilson. Again. Wilson won't. Work. Wilson just hasn't proven that he can win the close games. I mean, they just they stall out a lot on drives, but he's yeah. he's not gonna not gonna cut it. No he's a starter. I'm guessing Wilson is not a good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he's a voice change. Is that Diane? Yes, it's me. Oh, that's Diane. Let's get it, Diane. Well, look, Diane. I mean, we I checked up with the records. Wilson is not good as a quarterback. I mean, as a starter, he's only eight and fourteen. Now, how do you expect someone to win games like that, especially the question with a record like that, with a quarterback who was forgotten, was also taken off twice, injuries and all whatnot? I mean, you really expect him to carry the Jets team through? I mean, really? No, I don't. But the Wait, Jets need a quarterback. Who do you think would make the Jets quarterback? Wait. Wait. You guys, hang on one second. Uh, yeah, Jim is still Jim is still having problems. I'm trying I'm trying to get him on here, and for yeah. some reason, it keeps it keeps uh, like you guys you guys just heard the uh, just heard the television screen in the background, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's I believe that that is Jim trying to trying to connect in here. For some reason, Blog Talk right. is being a piece of crap with him tonight. I don't know why. Wow. All right, here we here we go. Let's try and get him back in here. Jim, you're on. You're you're li- you're live with us. Nope, he got disconnected again. Wow. Okay. I swear I. Who do you, you think is a good quarterback? Hold it, hold it, guys. I swear, this is you know this is pissing me off right now. The fact that we can't even get our uh, we can't even get our uh, the guy you know without without his help we wouldn't be able to do this show. And yeah. Log Talk isn't even allowing him to get on the line right now. Yeah. So I don't know what. The, what Blog Talk's problem is, but for some reason, he's he's tried twenty eight times so far to get on, and I think I've connected him the last ten times. The last ten times he's shown up on my uh, on my switchboard just now, and I've been trying to connect him, and. I, I I don't know what's going on here, but uh, uh, as far as far as Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, you know, Wilson replacing Aaron Rodgers, it's not even close. I mean, Wilson, yeah, he had a touchdown and a pick in relief of Rodgers, but he still 
you know, the he still didn't even. It, it, it's it's gonna be, I feel, a repeat of last season, basically with uh with Wilson at quarterback. And wasting away the and he lost at the skill positions. They can't do that. They got to go for it. They got to they got to add someone. Sorry, Steve, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not it's not fair to Jets fans or the other players. If he's going to underperform, he showed really negative traits again his debut last week. So it's yeah. like, all right, we already kind of know what this guy is. Maybe we need an upgrade. Yeah, maybe. Um... Hang on one second. I'm going to try what, – what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to – I think we're going to try – we're going to try to get Jim on here with – oh, no? Okay. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to see if we can, if we can somehow get Jim on here. But uh, – so, go, you know, go, when, it, when it comes to the uh, – Um, I'm sorry, call, uh, sorry to our, you know, to our listeners. Sometimes, you know, shit happens, and I need to, I need to somehow get this, uh, get this thing working. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's so bad right now with the NFL well, that the Players Association has actually called for all 32 teams to adopt grass fields. Yes. And in my opinion, I think it, I think it should be grass. You know, the when Absolutely. when people started playing football, when people started playing football, you didn't have these artificial turfs where where stuff could get stuck. You know, where metal, things could get there. stuck. The old Philadelphia Eagles stadium was notorious. The Meadowlands, MetLife apparently, Giants-Jets is very, very tough. Yeah, there's yeah. a spike in uh, injuries, and a lot of it, some some of it can be definitely be attributed to uh, turf. Dif- uh, there are some different injuries. I mean, it's just, it's pretty, it's proven at this point. So, they put it in, it's faster and quicker and probably more points, more explosion, more, you know, more explosive, longer plays, but also the injuries are just worse. I, yeah. They really should. Should uh, I don't even know if they can do that. But like, if yeah, if all thirty-two teams can convert, that'd be great. I mean, here's another. You know, here's a couple of examples of turf injuries. Odell Beckham mm-hmm. Jr. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Dak yeah. Prescott. Dak Prescott. Alex Smith when he had that gruesome injury, the uh, uh, what's it called, the Theismann injury. That type of injury oh, that Alex yeah. Smith had. Uh, I mean, you know, the numbers are there that they have a higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries when players play on artificial turf. Then the weather in particular, the turf is what key with weather though. That's that's a problem though in the NFL. You know what I mean? I'm just going to quickly say that with scheduling, if they get, you know, inclement weather, Cleveland, Cincinnati, you name half the league. If they're hit with snowstorms or rain or whatever, 
grass is so much yeah. more unforgiving and, and so much harder to maintain and make mm-hmm. sure it's ready for prime time when they need to play these games. You can't have a four-hour delay on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, you could, but it might yeah. be a shit show. Not, not, not ideal. Not optic. Not, not great optics. So that's all. the kind. Of, I think that would be the conflict, kind of the catch twenty-two. Like, I don't think the NFL wants to convert back to that. No, the turf's just cleaner. You know, easier to maintain for these big, you know, big stadiums. Grass right. is a lot dirtier. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, the gra- grass is dirtier, but I also, I mean, you take a look at these uh, at these numbers, though. They have a 32% higher rate of non-contact knee injuries on turf and a 69% higher rate of non-contact injuries for foot or ankles on turf compared to grass. And in particular, uh, most of the non-contact injuries, the highest, the, the highest risk comes for ACLs. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always going to be the most prevalent across, you know, any number of sports that have run on turf. That's the dreaded the dreaded ACL, yeah. I, I think with turf, I mean, players have less problems um, trying to, like, build up their top speed. It's, I think players are playing faster. On, I mean, that could be soccer, or obviously, you know, with football players in the NFL and college and high yeah. school. I mean, it's just a faster game on turf. So, that, it's a tough call. I mean, I don't know which stadiums are going to go back to grass or be you know, be some of the the forefathers in this, I mean, it, it used to be really rare to see turf, and then obviously the pros have changed over 100% now. But, I mean, back in yeah, the day, it's not really at all. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, you found them right now. I mean, obviously Green Bay, Jacksonville, Denver. Uh, it would be interesting to just maybe not whenever it's appropriate, but just how many teams left have grass versus turf. I think it's like 85 90% grass – or, sorry, turf now. Um, you know, I don't know the exact number when it comes to grass injuries, but, yeah. you know, I, I find it interesting, though. I find it interesting, though, that uh, according to an article from last year, from November of last year, uh, ESPN claimed that NFL data had showed recent injury rates were the same on, on both grass or turf fields. And uh, what I do find, though, is that you take a look at the numbers, and the numbers are actually hot from 2018 to 2021. There has not been one season where the injury rate was lower on synthetic turf than it was on grass turf. That's a damning statistic. Yeah. Proof's in the pudding. I just don't know how teams or when teams are what you know. I, I just don't know how very easily to go along with going back to grass. How easily it can be done or agreed upon by different players, you know, different people in the game, owners. Play, I mean, they'd all they'd all have to do it as one, I would think, and that might be pretty tough to yeah. get accomplished. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly, you know, if they would need a majority vote or if they would need a two-thirds vote in order for this to happen. Um, 
I don't know. Exactly. I think I think the big thing is is that they feel that since you know artificial turf is much easier to treat as opposed to regular grass. Yeah, it is, and then it's safer in different types of weather. You know, it's more playable, a more playable surface, more agreeable to the elements. You know, storms not going to probably not going to stop. I mean, it's just it, there's more. There's less less of a chance of uh, delays or cancellations on there. That's another factor into what the NFL is going to try to try to push for. I just I don't know if the NFL does it or if the owners sign on. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, Diane, let's get your thoughts on uh, on on artificial turf uh, against grass. What do you think would be would be better? Uh, in order to in, in order to uh, potentially reduce injuries in the NFL, do injuries happen in both surfaces though? It does, yes, but yeah. uh, you know it's from from what we from what we've seen, more recent injuries have happened on turf as opposed to grass. Then uh, we have you know, grass. The big, I agree. I think we should have. I think they should have grass. Uh, you know, I really think that it all stems from the fact that artificial turf is easier to manage and easier to fix as opposed to actual grass. Uh, and I believe that. That may be that less injuries occur on grass. That's true. Yeah, less injuries do occur on grass. And, you know, one could argue that if – because it was played in the Meadowlands, right, this past week? Mm -hmm. You could argue that if the Meadowlands had used grass instead of artificial turf, that maybe perhaps Aaron Rodgers doesn't get injured. Perhaps the NFL – you know, the, the New York Jets season isn't completely thrown in the shitter. Uh, in the very first week of the season, even though they won, which, to be honest, the reason why they won was because of the Jets' defense, if anything. And Josh Allen, yeah, just melting down again. Yeah, Jets' defense is dominant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's her. Oh, here we go. No, sorry. That was uh, – I was – I was trying to get on to NFL.com, and it does, uh, you know, every time we go to the scores, every time we go to the score list, it always it always uh, brings up a uh, a video. I didn't want the audio getting through yep. on, yep. so I was I was I trying it. to I was trying to lower it. But it. you know, I do th- I do think the biggest surprise though of that Jets win. You know, Apart was, from Aaron Rodgers, on my show, I always had to compare it like the injuries to say the grass against concrete. Fall on grass is a much softer surface. It feels more like mush. If you fall on turf, it feels more like you're falling on concrete, and that's a lot harder to get up off of. That's a, that's a lot harder to heal from that. That's a pretty good point, actually. Yeah, because it's you know it's kind of the same thing with. Uh, I believe Gillette Stadium is a uh, is turf as well. Uh huh. 
And it's a harder fall. Like and, you know, there's a re- Yes. And actually, let me, you know, let, let me take a look real quick. Because I'm pretty sure, because they have a comparison uh, between, at Gillette Stadium, they have a comparison between uh, the soccer field and, oh, yeah, they are on turf. They've been on turf since since 2006, um, yeah. where they had used grass the first four years that Gillette Stadium was officially open, uh, and then they moved it over to turf. And you you know you can you can kind of see it in Major League Soccer as well. You know when when uh, when you see teams play at Gillette Stadium in Major League Soccer. Or not just at Gillette Stadium, but if they're I, I don't know how many how many stadiums in Major League Soccer uh use turf as well. But there's significantly more stoppages I feel at Gillette Stadium due to injury of some sort in major in a soccer game compared to any other, you know, any any other soccer game that may be played on grass, for example. Now, of course, though, soccer is a completely different, you know, it's a complete a completely different sport. But there's um, injuries there. Those dangerous plays, slide tackles. There's still there can be injuries in soccer, but yeah, it can impact the the health of the players even there on the pitch. Right, like uh, in, in, in specifically, uh, Brandon By. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember if he got injured because uh, he uh, he's yeah. a uh, defender for the New England Revolution. Um, I'm trying to see oh, yeah. where did he get injured? Was it was it? At, I think it was at Gillette where he uh, he tore his right mm. ACL. Yep, it was it was at Gillette. Um, he tore his right ACL and missed, the, and he'll miss the remainder of this season. Uh, which, is, for him, you know, for a team like the Revolution, that's actually a huge, a huge key person to miss in Brandon By, because now their defense, their defense is is nowhere near the same as it was with him officially in the lineup. So, you know, that's another injury. That's ta- that that's been taken by turf. So I, you know, I think the answer is clear as day. It should be grass. It yes. should be it should be grass that you use. It's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's a much better uh, it's a much better surface to play on. I mean, we how many players have to speak up on it? I mean, you even have Patrick yeah. Mahomes saying that it should be on grass, and Patrick Mahomes. Is the golden boy? Yes. yes. Uh, we'll see if the NFL does it. We'll see. It's a big project to, to uh, undertake and to be able to pull off and, and get the approval. I mean, the NFL should be able to just put the hammer down and say we're doing this now. But I don't think they they're motivated to. I think it's more the players and then the teams probably lobbying The players more actually in favor of it. Yeah, the players would be in favor of it. So we'll see if the you know if the how they vote on it and how it gets pushed push forward. Yeah. Push well, you know, I think another thing, too, is how cost-effective is it 
to have turf as opposed to have grass. Well, but to tear up the turf. I, I think mean, that's another easy. thing that owners are, that owners look at too. Yeah, the stadiums to convert it's a lot of money. Uh, there's there's going to be so many different things you got to address. I don't know. I'm not a judge. You know, I'm no, definitely far from an expert in that in that area. Like I just just judging from afar, like. You know, to be able to have to really redesign the stadium. That's a big project in all those different cities. So, but if they can do it all, that, that'd be great for the players' sake. Because, you know, I just find it funny for, for a league that preaches, that preaches player safety, and yet they decide, no, nah, we're just going to use turf. But anyways, though, uh, you know, this this Bills and Jets game, besides losing Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Wilson didn't do that bad, 14 of 21, 140 yards and a, touch, a touchdown and a pick. But the question is, how long before, before he loses the locker room again, potentially? Because... We all remember last season where he had to be he had to be sat the rest of the season in favor of Mike White because not only did he suck but he also lost the locker room last season. So, and also, you know, like I said too, the defense pretty much carried the Jets in this one. Uh that and for some for some reason I you know I don't know what's up with Josh Allen in primetime games but for some reason yeah he he just he seems to have a history he seems to have a history of you know just just completely crumbling in primetime games yes following a recent trend it's it's growing yeah, it it's, it's building on an already established trend of his. A, a pattern. Yeah, he's proven himself to be. This is like what he he's he's doing this more and more often, as everyone's claiming that he's you know top five, definitely you know in that range. Like the, one of the elite quarterbacks. I don't know. Devastating athlete, huge arm, but yeah, like the fourth. I mean, he played awful in that game, and he really underperformed down the stretch last year. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about Allen? I think he's regressed almost. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't necessarily say regressed because... Maybe just psychologically, like clutch confidence-wise, maybe? A little bit? I don't know. I mean, there there has been a little bit of turmoil in the in, in the team with, uh, you know, the, the question about Stefan Diggs, you know, does he want in and out? Does, does he want to stay or does he want to go? Uh, I mean, mm. overall, if you take a look at, at Josh's numbers, he has the yardage. I mean, 236 yards is kind of low for him, but I mean, it's just the picks. I think he's. I think he just is making poor decisions. Yes. Yeah. It also Important doesn't help stuff. too that he fumbled the ball twice as well. But no, not at all. And I think he's just making, if anything, it's just poor decision-making. I don't think he's really regressed yeah. in terms of um, no. in terms of, you know, actual, like, in terms of production. I think he's just, I think it's just poor decision-making by him, basically. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bounce back Great week point. from him this week. Yeah, he's got a, a nice uh, juicy stake to fight into. I mean, he's got a good opponent, good matchup for him, the Raiders and their secondary. Raiders had a nice win last week, and they still have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. But, yeah, like Josh Allen, they, in Buffalo, they could score 40 or 48 points, kind of kick mm-hmm. it out on the, uh, the Raiders right. defense. Raiders, the Raiders will be without uh, – they, uh, will, they will be um, without – Want to know, Rip? Jacoby Myers, though, this week. Yeah, concussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In Buffalo. Buffalo's fired Jaco- up. Raiders are one to know. We'll see. Jimmy G played pretty well last week. But, yeah, this yeah. Is, Bills could go – Bills Mafia could go big tomorrow. A little, like a bounce, big bounce, bounce back effort. You know, one player I was impressed by last mm-hmm. week was Jordan Love. Yep. Yeah. Jordan Love last week. Now, grant, granted, the Packers were playing the Bears, but, uh, you know, I, I remember saying last week that I had more confidence in Justin Fields than I did in Jordan Love. And, well, put it this way, Jordan Love, he didn't play like it was his first, like it was his, uh, you know, his first NFL season as an actual starter. He didn't play like that at all. I mean, 245 yards, three touchdown passes. Uh, he he definitely looked like he belonged out there as a starter. Also missing uh, his number one. Apparently, I mean, uh, Watson, his receiver was out. Yeah, really good debut. Bears looked tr- really suspect. But, yeah, I think Love could really be a good quarterback in the league. He looks good. He could be, yeah. Um as long as uh, as long as his his receivers stay healthy, yeah, I think he could be a really good a really good quarterback. Uh, what what are your thoughts, Lou, uh, with with uh, Jordan Love officially uh, replacing Aaron Rodgers in his first uh, his first season as an actual starter? I'll bet the Packer fans are saying Aaron who? No, no, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. Other than they found their new guy, you know. With all the turmoil that the Packers were facing last year or Rodgers issues and whatnot, you know, yeah. and he was looking at the wheel. I think it was time for him to make a change and I think Love is uh, the right uh, was the right replacement from him. I mean he's doing he's doing uh, great for the Packers and I think it's gonna help carry them in uh, to the season and and into the postseason. I really think they found the right guy. Like I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want to speak too soon. I don't want to speak too soon. But could right. this be another Brett Favre? Could this be another Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation where after Favre leaves, we'll after see. Favre leaves, then uh, Aaron Rodgers takes over, and now after Aaron Rodgers leaves, now Jordan Love is going to be the Love's next got, franchise quarterback. Love got a lot of work to put into to, to reach some of those goals and those accomplishments. He's got a long head, a long road ahead, but. He looks like he's got the yeah. potential. He's got the tool. I mean, we'll see how, what, how you know how it goes. Those guys have rings. Those guys are legends. He had a heck of a debut though, week one, so it should be fun. Big, big I mean, am I am I am am I maybe getting a little too far ahead of myself, or does does it look maybe like that this could potentially be? It could be. But after a week, you got, I mean, he's, 
got to see. We got to see how he progresses all year. Really good start, though. No, I mean, I think you're spot on. He's got to, you know, keep maintaining it and get better and better. He's going to face a lot um, tougher defenses too. The Bears are, I just, they look really weak defensively. But he had a really good first start. I, I could see him being, being a pro. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of good quarterbacks how, out there. However, though. I don't think, uh, you know, despite how, how good he might be this year, uh, he still is going to run into a huge brick wall that is the well-oiled machine known as the San Francisco 49ers. Good yeah. God. You looked yeah, at them cool. last week against Pittsburgh, but then again, Pittsburgh was dog shit last week. But you look at, <laughs> Pitts, you look at them against so Pittsburgh – and it's almost like they didn't even skip a beat coming off of last season. Not at all. Yeah, they have a fierce defense. I, they're, they're playing pissed I mean, off. For, they're, they're angry. Made a statement. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Ayuk, eight catches for 129 yards and two touchdowns. And then you, have Chris, you give Christian McCaffrey the chance you give him the whole off season to get acclimated into this uh, playbook. Twenty-two and carries, one hundred and fifty-two yards. Wow. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this this San Francisco team looks scary at this point. Yeah. One week, I, I know they look scary, and but they were a little bit exposed in the playoffs last year. I know they lost Purdy, but. Yeah, they look. They, their defense looks just like on par with I, I'd say the Jets and the Cowboys right now. Um, yeah. Niners probably have the most overall talent on their defense, so they could be the best. Uh, yeah, they're just a nasty defense, and like you said, and then Debo Samuel. Samuel. Um, yeah, they they have tons of talent at every position. They're very good. Now you know I don't I don't know though when it comes uh, when it comes to the Cowboys I I honestly I don't think New York was even ready for that game so I I don't know if you can really no. look at last week's game and say that the Cowboys have a good defense I mean they probably you know chances are odds are they do have a good defense but I don't know I think maybe people might be overrating their defense a little bit and maybe it's just a case of the Giants obviously weren't ready last week yeah Giants look bad but Cal I mean Lou you can go for it man you're the Cowboys guy I just that was so fast and, and physical. They, they looked really impressive defensively, at least. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts, Lou, on, on the Cowboys' defense? I mean, are they for real, or is it just – are we going to have to wait and see what happens this week? Because last week, you know, you it could have just been that. This week. You really, you really got to wait and see. I mean, because you know, the Cowboys are also getting injured as well. So, you you really got to wait and see what happens. I mean – I mean, they did destroy the, the crap out of the Giants, which, uh, you know, I didn't expect that kind of a wall, you know, of a wall. I mean, I knew they were going to win, but I didn't think they were going to, you know, just smile down on their home, on their, you know, on their home, you know, their home arena. But, uh, you know, we got to wait and see what happens for, for this week when they play the Jets. 
You know, I think the defense is strong, but I don't know if it's going to be, you know, that's trying to carry out, you know, for the rest of the year. So we'll just have to worry about that. Right. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, because of the injury to Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Jets now owe the Packers a second-round draft pick in 2024 because Aaron Rodgers would have had to play in 65% of their snaps this year in order for Green Bay to receive a first-rounder from the Jets. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, as as we agree, though, I think – it was time for the love gap to do a uh, begin in Green Bay, and they still get a second rounder out of them, and they've moved on probably to, maybe to greener pastures because yeah. love looks good. So, still, I mean, probably still a win for the Packers in the trade, just because of the unfortunate injury. You know, though, if I was the Packers, I probably would have pushed. I probably would have pushed for a first round pick with no incentives, with no incentives like. Uh, it would have to – oh, boy, that is a bad pick. That is a bad oh, pick by uh, by K.J. Jefferson. Uh, yeah. BYU now, BYU now threatening to tie it. Um, but, you know, I, if, I was, if I was Green Bay, I would have pushed for a first-round pick, a guaranteed first-round mm-hmm. pick. If I'm giving up somebody as big as Aaron Rodgers, I mean, obviously, you, know, you don't expect you don't expect what happened to Aaron Rodgers to actually happen. No, they might have been, offering but that, though you don't know. We don't know if they were actually offering that, though. I mean, the Jets, the Jets kind of held the power by the end because the market had dried up. It was Rodgers to New York or really nothing, and the Packers had already really moved on. They had their next guy in place. So true. I don't know. So, I mean, the, but the Jets were the Jets yeah. been like, no, we're just giving the second rounder or, or else we don't want him either. So maybe no. the Packers saved a little bit. I don't know. They still they still profit, though. They get the second rounder. Yeah, the first would have been even better. You guys, I I, I think Rodgers will come back by next training camp. I don't know. Well, it's going to be John, John. Oh, yeah, no, he'll be back. He'll be back. I guarantee you he'll be back. The way, the way he – uh, maybe. I mean, the way, just the way he worded that statement, it basically, he basically said that, you know, this isn't the way, if if people are speculating whether or not it's his last year, uh, that this, that, that, that that wasn't the way that he was going to go out. So he'll definitely be back next year. Now the difference yep. is, will he be back after that? I was I I think he, he was definitely coming back like like you said Steve I mean he showed a, a ton of passion and determination like taking it as a you know the ultimate challenge to come back I just don't know if he'll be fully healthy by hopefully you know with the Achilles they're gonna have to test him yeah. out a little bit in training camp and then I mean he lasted five seconds this year so hope he can make it back fully and hopefully he puts in a full a full time training camp next year. Right. I think yeah. what kind of hurt him, I think what kind of hurt him was the fact that he didn't really have, he didn't really even have any time in the preseason. No. Yeah. Like, he didn't even take any reps. Well, a lot of commercials we were and, uh, that anyway. Yeah, a lot of commercials and hard knocks, but yeah. 
I don't know how many reps he took. By the way, he wasn't there. the only one to suffer a he wasn't the only one to suffer a torn Achilles though. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, the Ravens yeah. lost J.K. Yeah. Dobbins for the season. And I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy you know who's been injury plagued so far throughout his entire career. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising if J.K. Dobbins. Uh, when he recovers from this, if he isn't, you could see him go down the route of many other prospective uh, running backs that had high futures and then all of a sudden completely flamed out due to injuries. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. If uh, if he potentially, um, if he potentially, you know, if he's not the same type of player after this, uh, not just that, but the Ravens also lost Ronnie Stanley with a sprained knee, so he's week to week, and chances are he will not play against the Bengals this week. Uh, they also lost Marcus Williams to a torn pec, so. Uh, it's unknown whether or not whether or not that's a season ender, but uh, needless to say, the, I, th- I think the Ravens may be the most banged up team coming out of Week One. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of injuries already setting in. Ravens are certainly up there. Those that are among concussion protocol: James Bradbury of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, yep. Jacoby Myers of the, of the, of the Raiders, uh, Quay Walker of the Green Bay Packers is also in concussion protocol. Um, I mean, simply put, there's a lot of injuries this week. Nicobe Dean uh, suffered a foot injury, so he's out multiple weeks. Uh, edge rusher for the Steelers, Cameron Hayward, suffered a groin injury. Uh, no, t- no, you know, uh, no word as far as um, whether or not he'll miss this week. Uh, the Steelers also be without will also be without Cam Hayward, as he's set to miss multiple weeks with a groin injury that he suffered in the second quarter against the Niners. So, I mean, there, you know, there's been a lot of injuries this week. It's it's only week one. It's astounding. And it's just week one, exactly. Yeah, so it's going to be such a big piece in the NFL is just the injuries. A lot of it's a war of attrition, so just the healthiest rosters by the end is, is a massive, you know, massive reason why some teams you know, end up as far, go as far as they do. You've got to remain yeah. one of the most healthiest rosters to have a shot. There's so many crucial you injuries know, earlier and earlier every year. The the one thing I'll I'll say coming out of last coming out of last week because uh, you know obviously there were there were a few injuries that happened in the Eagles game. Uh, I got to say this: uh, a couple of things I saw coming out of that game. Number one, the Patriots' offense has definitely improved. Uh, number two, the Patriots' defense is at, is also for real. The fact that they limited Philly to only twenty five points, and also. 
I think the Philadelphia offense is also for real this year. The fact that they 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 just barely beat Minnesota, but I think yeah. it also proves that the New England the, the fact that they were able to limit Philly to only 25. I think that shows that New England's defense, if anything, has improved coming into this year. Definitely. Watching that game, I mean, New England England looks really good defensively. Offense, they showed some flashes, too. Hunter Henry had had a good game. Mac, I thought, looked improved. He showed some potential. The fans, the fans were into it, which was great. I mean, they the Patriots were playing hard. They have a, they have some good defenders. Got to maybe like add a weapon or two on offense. Maybe I thought Stevenson could have played a little bit more, but they, that was a good good battle. That was a good game overall. Yes. Yeah, and you know what? I'll I'll say this one thing. I don't think people can blame Mac Jones for this. If the Patriots have a bad season this season, I don't think they can blame Mac Jones for it. If he's able to put up 316 yards and three touchdowns against the Eagles, against that Eagles defense, with a banged-up offensive line, might I add, you know, it's it's clear as day that uh, I I feel even though this was a loss, I, I know I know there's no such thing as a uh, you know as a moral victory. But I actually saw this no. as a victory for the Patriots because even though it was a loss, they showed that you know they were going toe to toe with uh, with the with the uh, NFL with the Super Bowl runner ups. Uh huh. I really think if Max plays, you know, B plus level, if he t- last year, let's be honest with the coaching and all the the hits to his confidence, it was like a C. But if he can get up to like a B plus, like a like a good solid quarterback and lead them to some wins. I mean, with that defense, they could maybe sneak into the playoffs. See if you think that's possible from the Patriots' perspective. Potential. You know, I was going to say no, but now with the Aaron Rodgers injury, I think that completely changes both of their uh, both of their Jets games, both of their Jets matchups. I think it's entirely yeah. possible that New England may sweep the Jets this year. Uh, depending on the rest of the Jets, uh, hopefully, you know, if the Jets stay healthy, I still New England uh, with their with, with them running a completely different playbook now. I mean, you take a look at Kendrick Bourne had six catches for 64 yards and two touchdowns, and yet he was in the doghouse last year. Whoop, whoop. You know, and uh, also Hunter Henry, five catches, 56 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Demario Douglas actually looked pretty good, too, for a rookie. Uh, four catches, 40 yards, you know. And they were they were in it until the very last play. Uh, the only problem was, was that Kayshawn Boutte couldn't keep both, uh, couldn't keep both feet in bounds. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it just... It, it, it just shows you that if you have, if you have, it, it, the offensive coordinator makes all the difference. 
and it's clear as day that they're actually, you know, they're expanding it for Mac Jones this year, and they're actually allowing Mac to take control. Yeah, this is a make or break, prove it year. And he's going to be up to the challenge. I think he's going to have a good year. That was an encouraging first game of the year for him. I sure hope so because, uh, you know, if if they want to if they want to see if Mac Jones is the guy to put everything behind to put their face behind for you know for for a franchise quarterback this is the year that he has to show it. But you know we'll see moving forward. Uh, I I was very impressed by the defense. Uh, Keon White. Uh, the second round rookie. Uh, I think he probably showed the most defensive pressure out of any of the defense uh, in this game. I mean, obviously, of course, we had sacks from uh, Josh Uche, uh, Matt Judon, and Christian Gonzalez, which, by the way, wow, I, I don't think I've seen a cornerback get a sack in a long time. But, uh, I found it kind of funny, actually, that Gonzalez would get his first career sack before he would get his first career pick. But here we are. Uh, Anyways, let's get to our Whispers Wishes. Uh, We are going to do uh, NFL picks against the spread for for this week's games. Let me bring up the list here uh, oh I just realized I'm in the wrong group hang on uh, the sports whispers spreads here we go so obviously uh, Thursday night has already happened so we can't really uh, we can't really pick from that but uh, we do have our first matchup we have the Green Bay Packers two-point favorites against the Atlanta Falcons and I will say this, I was surprised about Atlanta last week. Uh, I was surprised at the fact that somehow, you know, at, at, I guess Atlanta was that much better than a Panthers team that seemingly was being completely retooled. Uh, maybe it's because of the fact that the Panthers have a rookie quarterback. You know, maybe that's yeah. why the Panthers got off to, got off to such a bad start. But uh, Falcons and Packers, I actually think I think the Packers will uh, will outright cover this one. You know, I don't think uh, I don't think it'll be like a one point game. Uh, I think the Packers definitely cover. So I mean, let's go to you, Lou. What are your thoughts on uh, Packers and Falcons? I'm not calling the Packers just yet. I mean, I'm the just, I'm going with the Packers. Well, what do you think? What do you think about that, Alex? Uh, two point, uh, two point spread. Falcons are yeah. Falcons are the underdogs. I like uh, I like Atlanta in Atlanta in the dome. I think um, they added Bijan Robinson, the best running back rookie in the last apparently several years. You know, since maybe like Barkley, superstar running back added now. They didn't even find their star receiver from last year's draft. 
uh, Drake London, the number one receiver they drafted from USC. Um, they have some weapons. I don't know. I think the, I think the Packers are going to be in the mix. I think tomorrow uh, Falcons will play well at home in their home opener, and it'll be a close one. I'll, I'm going to Atlanta. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Um, you know, I did forget about Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson was actually pretty good last week. Pitts, Drake London, they didn't even they didn't even have he didn't even have one catch. Their star receiver. So I don't know. Atlanta's got some young talent. So it's just their quarterback Desmond Ritter looked pretty bad last week. So I don't know. Maybe love takes right. Uh, now we have the Vegas Raiders, who are nine and a half point underdogs going against the Buffalo Bills. And I just got to put it this way. Uh, you know, do I see Josh Allen having back-to-back bad weeks? No. At the same time, you know, I just, I, you know, nine, honestly, nine points seems like, a, it's nine and a half points seems like an awful lot to, uh, you know, to put up for a spread. I I almost, I think the Raiders will cover, but I think Buffalo wins it. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Lou? Bills all the way. You think the Bills have a have a bounce back week? Yes. All right. What are What are your thoughts, Alex? And it's in Buffalo, yeah, by the way. I see a high scoring game in Buffalo. It should be pretty decent weather, I think. And uh, Bills, as you said, bounce back factor, motivated, pissed off, ready to take it out on someone. Raiders are vulnerable with the defense. They can score some points, though, with uh, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, Jimmy G. So I'd probably like a high-scoring affair. I think that's just a lot of points. I think I'd take the the Raiders with the points. By the way, we have a massive upset in Florida. The Tennessee Vols fall to the Florida Gators 29-16. to Tennessee was 11th ranked. Okay. Yep. Partying in the smoke. Okay. Just soup besides me. I mean, just no wow. I'm honestly, I'm stunned. To be perfectly honest, you know, I did not see uh, Tennessee losing to Florida. Yeah, yeah they're awesome. Even though really Florida consistent. is the SEC, though. LCQB did not play well. Florida defense looked good. Yeah, big upset. And, you know, there's also a couple of other things, too. You know, I mean, technically they didn't get upset, but Alabama and Georgia, what the fuck is going on with them? Yeah. You know, Alabama was tied for so long today with, uh, with, South, uh, with South Florida, and – Georgia at one point was losing to South Carolina. It's like, what is going on here? You know, like what is going on? Did did the twenty twenty three class take too much out of uh, out of the college Please. ranks? I mean, seriously. All right, our next uh, our next matchup: the Baltimore Ravens are three and a half point underdogs against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the big question here is, 
can can Joe Burrow really have back to back horrible weeks? Playing banged up, still uh, a little bit injured, possibly. So yeah, that could happen. Facing a tough, Ravens, I mean, this is tough Ravens, facing a very very tough imposing Ravens defense too. Yeah. Now, granted, it's a Ravens defense that just lost one of their key contributors, though. Sure. But, I mean, nonetheless, they are the Ravens. They always bring the thunder defensively. Burrow's hobbling around. I mean, yeah, he played like horseshit last week. Now he's playing the nasty defense. We'll see if he bounces back. And actually, yeah, uh, looking at their injury report, uh, Marcus Williams is out. J.K. Dobbins is done for the year. Marlon Humphrey is out. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is out. Tyler Linderbaum is out uh, for the Ravens, that is. And Mark Andrews right now is questionable. Now, he was a man. For Cincinnati, it looks like really their only big guy is uh, Joseph Asai, who is – oh, it says here he is not expected to play against the Ravens, according to Dan Graziano. You know, I just – I honestly, for for all that money that they spent on Burrow, I find it hard to believe that he would have back-to-back bad weeks. And I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, I I believe historically – Burrow has been good against the Ravens, I think. So I think I'm going to go with Burrow or with the uh, with the Bengals here. I do think they cover as well. What are your What are your thoughts, Lou? I'm still going to go with the Ravens, but I think it will be a close game. Don't give me that. What do you What are your What are your thoughts, Alex? Uh, I think Burrow's still working his way back a little bit from the injury. And I think that's a good line. I, I think it's a, like a field goal game at the end. So 3.5 wins, wins with a field goal, field goal loss. So I think Ravens, pro, Bengals probably win one down to the wire by like three. So I'm actually, so I'm going to go Ravens with, that, with the spread. All right. So the yeah, Ravens really with close. the spread. I think it's going to be like a field goal game for that 3.5 right there. That's, that's right. inviting about, uh, to the Ravens right there. The Ravens, the Ravens are going to be a popular bet, I think, tomorrow with that spread. How about the Seattle Seahawks, who are six-point underdogs, visiting the Detroit Lions? And Detroit, uh, might I say, they have quite a few people out this week. Emmanuel Mosley is out with a knee and hamstring issue. Uh, Josh Pascal and Khalil Dorsey were put on injured reserve. And Taylor Decker is also listed as out with an undisclosed injury. Uh, As far as Seattle goes, let me check Seattle. As far as Seattle goes, Mike Morris is out with a shoulder issue. Uh, Abraham Lucas is set to have a procedure done in the coming days, so he's put on injured reserve. Uh, Jamal Adams is also still out. Uh, Charles Cross, one of their offensive tackles, is listed as out. And right now, Devin Bush uh, will be a game-time decision, and Boy Mathi is listed as questionable. 
And to be perfectly honest, just based off of last week, how how Seattle fared and how the Lions were able to go toe-to-toe with Kansas City, I think Detroit covers. I think they win by at least a touchdown in this one. Uh, now, we have seen Geno Smith, you know, bounce back before. But I think, you know, I think this Lions, uh, this Lions team is just going to completely uh, – is is going to come you know they're 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 just going to completely um continue to build on that kansas city win i think detroit uh takes this one what are your thoughts lou wait i still with the lions i think the lions are going to win now with the chiefs we're still with the lions right yeah, it's uh, it's Lions and uh, Lions and Seahawks. I'm gonna go with the Lions. All right, that's two for the Lions. Uh, what are your thoughts, Alex, on this matchup? Yeah, coming off a big win, and I, I, Coach Campbell, they were, yeah. the players really like Coach. I mean, they have a new identity. The, the Lions are definitely for real. Yeah, I see them winning again tomorrow. You think they cover? Yeah. Yep, I think the one by a touchdown. Yeah, I kind of figure, I kind of figure that as well with the with the, with the injuries, especially with the injuries that Seattle is dealing with as well. Um, next, we have the Chargers coming off of an intense back and forth with the Dolphins against the Tennessee Titans, and the Chargers are favored by three, which, in my opinion, I think is pretty low. I actually think. Uh, considering how poorly Tennessee played last week, I actually think that that line should be higher for the Chargers. Uh, in my opinion, I think this is a no-brainer. I have the Chargers in this one. What do you What do you think, Luke? Oh, no question, Chargers. Oh, I did forget to mention, uh, Joey Bosa is questionable with a hamstring. Uh, Austin Eckler has officially been ruled out, as well as Eric Kendricks. So, I I mean, regardless, though, my pick is still the same. I still have the Chargers uh, by well more than three, Um, despite Austin Eckler being out. I'm going to make it a clean sweep, even with both or Eckler. I mean, Chargers are just better. Unfortunately, Tennessee's starting Ryan Tannehill, who looked really, who's really not looking good. You know, versus Justin Herbert. Yeah, give me the Chargers. Right. Um, now we have the Chicago Bears visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a surprising Tampa Bay team that somehow was able to win yesterday, or I mean last week in Baker Mayfield's first start as a Buccaneer. Uh, the line is uh, Buccaneers by three, and I think, it'll, I think it will be Buccaneers by at least three. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be more than a touchdown, but I do think that uh, – I do think Tampa Bay will win by at least three. What are your thought? What are your thoughts on this one, Lou? 
Tampa Bay favored by three against the Bears. I never have luck with the Bears anyway, so I'm not going to take them now. All right, so Lou has Tampa Bay. Uh, what do you think, Alex, in this matchup? Yeah, I think the Bucks are kind of – Baker looks kind of solid. Baker looks solid, and, and, you know, they still have Godwin, Mike Evans. They fed both of the, you know, elite, awesome receivers the ball. Baker was serviceable. They have they have some good players. I think the Bucks at home in their opener, I'm going to take the Bucks. I dare I say, dare I say, could this be, could the Bucks be this year's Seattle Seahawks? Baker plays good enough. He looked pretty good, and they, they have weapons. Um, they're not that far removed from a Super Bowl. I mean, some of the roster is still there. I mean, really, there's some really good defenders, and then you have Edwin and Godwin. If Baker's pretty good, they can, I think they, they can be a 500, plus 500 team overall. If they, you know, if they really maximize their potential with Baker, if he plays to his abilities, which is, a crapshoot, but if it happens, they're legit, I think. Right. Uh, our next matchup, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the way, will have Travis Kelsey this week. Uh, Kansas City by three against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And on virtue of saying that, with uh, Chris Jones, they did sign Chris Jones this week, but he will not play. Uh, He will not be in uniform this week. Uh, That being said, I still have Kansas City in this matchup. Um, Even though though Jacksonville has a better run game, I still think, uh, you know, unless uh, unless, uh, Calvin Ridley goes off like he did last week, I still have I have Kansas City taking this one. I think Kansas City covers. What are your thoughts uh, on this one, Lou? Kansas City and uh, Jacksonville. With Kelsey coming back, I don't think he's going to have any problem over the Jaguars. This is going to be a complete bounce back game. All right, so Kansas City. Uh, what about what about you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, fresh off a really agonizing loss to the Lions. I mean, pissed off Mahomes and, and healthy Kelsey, healthy enough to play. Yeah, I think even though the Jags, really good young team, and they almost they, they played against the Chiefs last year in the playoffs. But, yeah, Chiefs are going to be angry. I'm going Chiefs. All right. Uh, next matchup, we have the Indianapolis Colts as one-point favorites against the Houston Texans. And – in my, you know, I saw enough out of last week out of Anthony Richardson. Um, I think he's actually, I think he's got a pretty bright future. You know, I don't know if Indianapolis will be. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying that he'll have Indianapolis immediately back in the hunt this year, but uh, depending on, of course, what happens with Jonathan Taylor. But I do think that they do have a future with him as their franchise quarterback. Uh, and I have the Colts uh, winning this week over Houston. What are your thoughts on that one, Lou? Um, you know, uh, but Houston, say again, Houston against who? 
Uh, I'm going with the Colts. Uh, Indianapolis. The Colts? I'm going with the Colts, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. I uh, Especially after what I saw out of Richardson last week, I agree with that. Um, yeah. Okay, that gets better. What, what are your thoughts, uh, Alex? Yeah, for the Colts, it's a clean sweep. All three of us vote Colts. Richardson deserves his first uh, NFL win. He played pretty damn well last week, and I agree with you, Steve. I mean, he's good. he he could be a really good QB. I think he gets his first one tomorrow, Colts. Yeah, the pro- I think the big problem with Indianapolis is it doesn't help that Jonathan Taylor, is, that they're in the middle of a blowout with Taylor. And, yeah. you know, obviously he needs weapons. It's almost kind of like a Mac Jones situation where he needs weapons in order right. for him to succeed. And the Colts, I mean, quite frankly, the Colts just, just aren't there right now when it comes to uh, mm, no. offensive firepower. It's a good shot for him right. to get his first uh, win. Got facing a rookie QB. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Um... Next up, we have the San Francisco 49ers with an eight-point spread against the L.A. Rams. And in my opinion, I think this spread is actually too high. Although maybe it's Hmm. because San Francisco dominated Pittsburgh like they did last week. But I think this spread is too high. Because we saw how the Rams did against, uh, you know, we saw how the Rams did last week putting up 30 points on the Seahawks. And uh, granted, it's without, maybe they're factoring in that it's without Cooper Cup. But, you know, I, I think the Rams will cover, but I think San Francisco ends up winning in this one, but the Rams cover. What are your thoughts on this, Lou? I'll buy that. I, I do take uh, the 49ers to win, but um, maybe I think I underestimated the Rams a little bit, so I think it's going to be closer than what I originally thought. But 49ers will still win. Right. Uh, what what are your thoughts, Alex? Do you think do you think the Niners will just blow them away like they did? Uh, like think LA will make it close. LA was impressive in getting a win against just dreadful looking Seattle team last week. But yeah, the Rams. I don't think they have a shot tomorrow. I think yeah, Niners by like ten or more. The Niners will win convincingly. Huh. You, know, you know what? I could see that potentially happening too, especially with uh, especially with how Ayuk and McCaffrey both played last week. Yeah, uh, I think I the Rams are definitely going to miss. I think they're definitely going to miss not having Cooper Cup uh, in their lineup to uh, yeah. to match up with yeah. San Francisco. So. All right, uh, next we have the New York Giants with a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Arizona Cardinals, who somehow made last, ga- made last week's game a close game against the Commanders. Uh, with that being said, though, 
Uh, New York is dealing with injuries. Uh, Ojulari and Robinson are both doubtful with knee and hamstring issues. Uh, Andrew Thomas is listed as questionable, but it sounds like maybe he might play. As far as Arizona goes, oh, boy. I mean, Buda Baker, he's questionable. Uh, Lakey Fotu is questionable. LJ Collier had to just get put on injured reserve with a bicep issue. Josh Woods is out with an ankle injury. Uh, I, I, you know, I really think that Arizona is tanking for Caleb because otherwise, why wouldn't they? I still say this from last week. Why didn't they keep uh, Colt McCoy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could very well be already planning for life with him if they could finish the worst overall. So I think I, I do think they lose again. Uh, I think the Giants will wake up and they'll have a bounce back week this week. I think they cover uh, five and a half points against the Cardinals. So I got the Giants here. Thoughts on this, Luke? Well, you're making the point, but I still think that you know uh, the Cardinals are gonna Cardinals are gonna win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout uh, win for the Cardinals. I think the Giants will uh, make a game of it. But I still think uh, Giants are going to have a tough time in the desert. Well, what about you, uh, Alex, in this one? Yeah, I mean, Giants are going to be angry. They, they, they embarrassed themselves last week on national TV. Arizona's just bottom-level talent for the league. I mean, they're right for the pick, and I mean, this is a get, get right spot. A good, good Giants opponent to face for them. So I'm going Giants. All right, next up, uh, the New York Jets, the Aaron Rodgers list. New York Jets uh, visit visit uh, Jerry uh, visit Jerryville um, in Jerry Dallas World, Jerryville. with Jerry World, whatever Jerryville, Jerry World. I, was, <laughs> I like Jerryville. I keep, I keep forgetting what it I is. Like, I like it. Uh, but the Cowboys have an eight and a half point spread in this one as the favorites. And I mean, when you consider two high powered offenses or I mean, two high powered defenses matching up against each other, I think I kind of agree with this. Uh, I actually, I do believe even though the Jets defense is as great as it is, I think Dallas does cover in this one. I think uh, I think Dallas will handily uh, will handily cover. I wouldn't be surprised if we get at least two picks out of uh, Zach Wilson this week. What are your thoughts in this one, Lou? Let's put it this way: I think the Jets are going to be sorry they they're even going the Jerry World. We'll put it that way. Yeah, probably. I mean, honestly, they're going to be lost. Even got well, off the be lost. Yeah, they probably shouldn't have even got off the jet, if anything. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Alex? Um, I mean, with two high-powered defenses, is there any way that this could be a low-scoring game? 
Yeah, it could be relatively low scoring. I just the Jets are gonna have such trouble moving the ball. I mean, Dallas is really fast defense. They're the best part of their defense, definitely the secondary and their um their pass rush is lethal. They have such such speed. So um it's gonna it's gonna really disrupt Zach Wilson. I mean, unless he really plays awesome suddenly. Yeah, I just Dallas is gonna be a little bit too much for him. Dallas I think Dallas by ten. I agree. Because I think Dallas uh, Dallas will score twenty eight or 24, maybe, and the Jets might score 10 or 13 or, you know, 14 or 17. You know, it's, it's going to be like – Right. I, I just don't see the Jets can take that take the win with Wilson right now. Yeah, I think it, I think it'll be at – In Dallas. In Dallas. The Dallas, Dallas is flying high right now. Not a good opponent for the Jets right now to face. All right, next matchup, the Washington Commanders. Somehow, are three and a half point underdogs against the Denver Broncos. Maybe it's because it's in Mile High. That's why. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson came back to his old self, but Denver is just dealing with way too many injuries to their wide receiver core. It's I've got Washington in this one actually. I think Washington wins. Because, granted, um, you know, granted they uh, they they won a four point game against uh, a hapless uh, Arizona Cardinals team, but I'm actually, you know, I, I'm actually kind of uh, kind of surprised from what we've seen out of Sam Howell. So I've got I've got the I've got the commanders this week. What are your thoughts on this one, Lou? Anybody want a Rocky Mountain High? Denver? Yes. All right, what about you, Alex? I, I wouldn't I, right now I'm just not going with Denver until Russ can prove that he can play at a high level again. Uh, Sean Payton. Doesn't seem to have fixed much yet, so I'm going against Denver with my pick. Um, I mean, I mean, he did basically show the old Russell Wilson last week. the The only problem yeah. is, is that he just barely he barely has any weapons to work with right now at this point. Yeah, it's a limited offense. You're right. I think it's gonna be a close game, but I'm I'm going against them. I think they start off in a, you know, they really got a lot of work to do in Denver. Good defense, but their offense has to really keep click and, and start really moving because they've struggled most all of last year too. So until they really show it to me, yeah. I'm going to go against them. All right, now this next matchup, uh, Sunday Night Football, the Miami Dolphins two and a half point favorites over the Patriots. The big question here: Can the Patriots' offense keep up with the Miami offense? In particular, I mean, obvi- you know, obviously, uh, you know, Patriot and Dolphins games have been known for being close. Usually, usually yeah. when they're close, it's usually the last meeting of the season that, that it's close. The first game, now granted that was under Brady, though. Uh, usually the first game, you know, it would be a one-sided affair either way. With Tua throwing for 446 yards last week against L.A., 
However, I think New England has a better defense, though, than L.A. does. So, you know, this one's tough. This one's tough. Um, Dolphins don't really have that good of a defense, I don't think, do they? No. At least not not as good as it's been. Yeah, it's like maybe top 12. I don't know. Maybe You know what I mean? It's like a pretty good but not – not really a scary defense at all. They can get they can get lit up. I do think I do think New England's run game will have a better chance against Miami's run defense this week compared to last week against the Eagles. I wasn't really expecting that much out of the run game against the Eagles. So um You know, I do think I think Miami covers, but I think Miami wins, but I think New England keeps it close. Say Miami by three, or by at most by seven. Yeah. I just think I think with all the stupid mistakes that Belichick made last week, it's it just seems like he's now for a guy who used to be so uh, used to be so articulate with the moves that he would make. It seems like as he's aged, he's gotten like more mistakes have been thrown out there left and right, and I think it continues this week. Uh, yeah, I've got Miami by at least three. What are your thoughts on this one, Lou? I really have a lot of uh, confidence with Miami going into the season, so I'm going to go with the Patriots. Ooh, okay, Patriots with the upset. Yeah. Yeah. Now they do have a. I, I should add they do have a history of covering Tyreek Hill, of being able to come up with a plan to cover Tyreek Hill. The plan. The problem is, does that open the door for Jalen Waddle? What well, What are your thoughts, Alex? Uh, Miami two and a half point favorites against New England. Yeah, I'm going to the Mac attack. I'm believing in Mr. Jones. Pats, nice little upset. They can do it defensively. They're already wow. back along. Pats going to take another step forward. Have a good good game on national TV. Pats. You know, I would love that. I would love, you know, especially for a team that wants to prove that they deserve to be on primetime TV. This is their first of, like, four or five primetime games this year. Yeah, it's big. And you know, if they want to prove that they that they can compete and deserve to be on primetime television, uh, a win would be very crucial in this one. So, you know, I hope New England wins, but I just knowing their recent history against Tua, it's it just doesn't look good. But hopefully, you know, maybe with a new Maybe with a new offensive coordinator and a new playbook, maybe maybe perhaps things will be different this year. Uh, next, we have the New Orleans Saints on Monday night, uh, our first of two Monday night games. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are three-point favorites over the Carolina Panthers. And I'll just say this right now. I took a look at what, at what Derek Carr did last week. Derek Carr is still the same Derek Carr. 
even though the Saints barely won last week, I still think I think the Saints uh, take this one over the Panthers. What are your What are your thoughts on this one, Lou? Uh, uh, Saints are three point favorites. Only three. Ugh. I'm going. I'm going to Saints. All right. What about you, Alex? Definitely Saints. More experienced team, yeah, better team. We're facing a rookie QB. I think the Saints are going to have a nice night. Yeah, I think honestly, I think it's a no-brainer. Now, technically, the Saints uh, they did have they did have a tough matchup last week against Tennessee. So you know that could explain the one-point win uh, in New Orleans last yeah. week, but. You know, I do think that they I do think that they uh take care of business against Carolina this week. All right, and our second Monday night game, we have the Cleveland Browns with two and a half point favorites and might I add might, might I add a healthy Deshaun Watson against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just gotta say how is the spread only two and a half points in this one? When we consider how horrible the Steelers were last week. Exactly. I think it's I think this is an easy Browns win. You know, we've seen it happen in in the last uh you know, in the years that Deshaun Watson was in was in Houston when they had a good team. Uh, they had a good running back. They have it here with Kareem Hunt and also uh, Nick Chubb. Right. So, or actually, no, let me double check. Do they? Hunt's gone. They still got Chubb rocking. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Hunt is still a free. Hunt is actually still a free agent right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they do have Chubb. Which honestly, I think Chubb is actually the better of the two, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think I think this is an easy Browns win. What are your What are your thoughts uh, on this one, Lou? You said the Browns is an easy win. Uh, Browns and so. Steelers. No. Well. Yeah, you know I'm actually kind of torn on this one. You know I think I'm gonna, for I'm gonna change my mind. I'm gonna say Steelers. I think I'm because they can't do any worse than last week. I don't really think so. And uh, Cleveland, yeah, you know they can be. They're pretty. That's what they call the dog pound because they they play like crap. So uh, I'm gonna take my chance to go with the Steelers. Fair point. Uh, what what about you, Alex? Uh, Two-and-a-half-point favorite for Cleveland. Do you think Cleveland take, uh, gets it done, or do you think Pittsburgh bounces back? Yeah, I'm going with the Browns. They, they have a really fierce defense now, I think, under coordinator Jim Schwartz. Um, they have some newfound confidence. I mean, love him or hate him. Watson at least has – should look a little bit better now. He, he didn't play well last year. But Nick Chubb, I think, is a great player. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be – Steelers haven't proven they can score points with Kenny Pickett, and they're facing a good defense. So I'm going yeah. with Cleveland. Now, it is worth noting, too, uh, Jack Conklin was placed on injured reserve 
this week with a knee injury. Yeah. So Cleveland will be without one of their starting tackles. Yeah. I think it's definitely going to be a low-scoring defensive game. I'm going to – in a real, real close one. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Browns. All right. Well, that does it for our Whispers Wishes portion of, uh, of the podcast here. Uh, we do have yeah. one hour to go. So, um, obviously, you know – we we still have a, we still have a lot to cover as well. Um, you know, I want to kind of talk about this uh, first. Going into Major League Soccer because uh, I believe I told you about this, Alex, um, earlier this week. Uh, as we reported last week on the show, Bruce Arena had resigned as head coach or as manager and also uh, player director or something of the New England Revolution due to insensitive and inappropriate remarks that were made by him. However, apparently it has started to go downhill now for the New England Revolution because uh, they have also gotten rid of assistant coaches Dave Vandenberg and Shaori Joseph, uh, with with Richie Williams taking over as the interim manager, uh, Shaori Joseph already had a history with Richie Williams, and thus will not uh, he refuses basically immediately as soon as the decision was announced. Shaori Williams uh, or Shaori Joseph asked out of his deal, so uh, he there without two assistant coaches. Uh, with both of them being firmly in the camp of Bruce Arena. Uh, and also, it, is, uh, it was reported that along with Arena being uh, Arena stepping down, players decided not to train this week. And it sounds like it, it sounds like it may be potentially in solidarity with their former coach, with their former coach being forced to resign. And you know, the more and more I dig into this, the more and more it makes me think that it was Richie Williams that sold Arena out. The more and more it, it makes me think that this was a that this was a, uh, a ploy by Richie Williams yeah. to somehow get the head, the head manager spot. And it's also been mentioned as well that there's been multiple meetings between players and the coaching staff. Uh, and Williams has refused or has said that he can't answer any of their questions. So, I mean, let's start with you, Lou, on this. Uh, does it sound kind of, does it seem kind of fishy here that all of a sudden, you know, you have basically, let's call him the Bill Belichick of soccer coaches okay. having to step down. I'll buy that. The evil hoodie on the pitch. Ha- yeah. Having to step down and then all of a sudden, you have two assistant coaches 
who stepped down in solidarity with him. And you have the you have one of the assistant coaches take over, and then you have the players refuse to train this week. Yeah. I mean, does it seem like there's a common denominator here? Oh, yeah, I think it would be. It's got to be something. Or it could be just a complete point. I mean, it seems to me... I don't know. I don't know what you think, Alex, but it seems to me like play, the players just don't want to play for this guy. Apparently not. Yeah, it seems like almost like a can mutiny. It's not a good look. There's an upheaval going on. So, just how popular he was. So, it's going to be tough to move on from this change. And this is a team, might I add, that's in the middle of of the hunt for the MLS Cup. They're going to yeah. be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the running for the MLS Cup. And oh boy. all of a sudden, like, you couldn't – you really couldn't wait until the end of the season? I mean, that, I think that's – I think yeah. that's what, what speaks loudly about this is the fact that this couldn't wait until the end of the season. That it, – it's what makes me think it was a setup by the assistant coach yeah. who is now the interim head manager. I mean, seriously? Exactly. It, it, something just seems very fishy about this whole situation. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Also in soccer as well, talking about stepping down, uh, the Luis Rubiales situation is officially over as Luis Rubiales has officially stepped down from his post as the chief of Spanish soccer uh, following mounting pressure from the kissing scandal that he was involved with during the worm, during the women's world cup, which by the way, yeah. uh, Jenny Hermoso has filed a restraining order officially against him and it has been granted yep. as well. So uh, he can't there. come within a so now he can't come within a certain amount of distance uh away from uh away from her. Mm-hmm. And uh Rubialis in this whole thing acknowledged his defiance was now starting to affect others and the organization at large and that he was becoming a distraction. So because of that, he was officially throwing in the towel, so to speak. Yes. Um, He does, however, maintain his innocence uh, as he's done from the start. But he he did say trying to keep his position was turning out to be more trouble than it was worth. And, you know, after – after a clip of his sit-down with Piers Morgan was posted, uh, when he officially announced uh, that he was stepping down uh, after Piers, after an interview with Piers Morgan, um, he did say that he plans to defend himself and his honor in the continuing fallout. Uh, that, of course, means that you know he's gonna he's gonna have to go through the whole court situation now. Uh, with the criminal complaint that was filed by by Jenny Hermoso. Um, 
the part of it is also alleging sexual assault as well, which uh, if he is convicted, he does face a fine and or up to four years in prison. So needless to say, uh, he still is not, he's not out of the woods as of yet. But uh, Lou, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, Rubiales finally stepping down? As uh, as the head of Spanish soccer, thank God. I mean, really. I mean, you know, after what he after what he did, especially you know, when World Cup. I mean, he did. He deserved. He deserved. I mean, he wasn't going to step down. He would have faced uh, more severe consequences. So trying to save his own neck, he thought he was to uh, you know set himself down, make the right decision, because that was a that was an embarrassment. Not just the soccer in general, but I think the sports in general. So um, that was the right move. Because anything else, he would have he would have faced disciplinary action, and probably would have got his ass kicked out of there. Plus, face more lawsuits and what else. <laughs> so smart move. Make a step down. What are your What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I really agree with what with what Lou was saying. Nice. It's the appropriate move, I think. Jackass. <laughs> now we go from that controversy to another. Uh, this time in college football, though, uh, you may know what I'm talking about. Uh, Mel Tucker, the now suspended Michigan State head coach, uh, yep. has adamantly denied claims that he sexually harassed uh, Brenda Tracy, who is a sexual assault awareness speaker. Uh, in a statement this past Monday, and he called the upcoming hearing about the claims a sham. Uh, In a statement that he released through his attorney, he said he developed an intimate adult relationship with her and that her claims that he harassed her are completely false. He said an upcoming hearing to assess whether he violated university policy is ridiculously flawed and not designed to arrive at the truth. Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Holler had suspended him without pay Sunday night after details of the claims were made public in a story written by USA Today. Uh, Tracy, who operates a nonprofit company that tries to raise awareness about sexual misconduct, especially among college athletes, told university investigators that Tucker had sent her gifts, asked if she would date him if he wasn't married, and reportedly masturbated while on the phone with her without her consent. Okay. And Tucker ha- Tucker had released a statement saying, while I am saddened by Miss Tracy's disclosure of the sensitive nature of this call, let me be perfectly clear. This It was an entirely mutual private event between two adults living at opposite ends of the country. Tucker's statement uh, also said she initiated the discussion that night, sent me a provocative picture of the two of us together, suggested what she may look like without clothes, and never once during the 36 minutes did she object in any manner, much less hang up the phone. Uh, hours later, Tracy posted a response on social, on social media referring to an acronym, DARVO, which stands for Deny, Attack, and Reverse Victim and Offender, uh, saying, this is just more of the same DARVO deflection 
uh, victim blaming and lies that I've been dealing with now for months. Coach Tucker has been delaying and trying to stop the investigative process since the beginning. He can't afford to go to a hearing that determines credibility of the participating parties. I believe this statement is his way of getting out of participating in the hearing. October 5th and 6th, I will be present for the hearing and make myself available for cross-examination by his attorney. I invite him to do the same. And what I find interesting, though, uh, hang on. All right, yeah. What I find interesting, though, is that Holler said that he and other university officials have known about the claims since last December when Tracy filed a a formal complaint to the school's Office for Civil Rights. And apparently the school hired an independent investigator uh, who interviewed both parties and submitted a report in late July recommending that the school hold a hearing to determine whether or not he violated the university's sexual misconduct policy. So with that being said, why the hell do you wait until the season starts yeah. to make a decision? Yeah. Why do you wait until the season starts? And, you know, they're, they're, play, they're, they're practicing under his system, and now all of a sudden – you could you could pretty much say that their whole entire their whole entire season has been thrown into chaos now, especially following the blowout loss today. Got to help. Right, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? I'm actually beside myself here. I mean, that was just totally un- unacceptable, ridiculous behavior by a complete by a complete idiot. Ugh, just. It's just sickening what so these people do. I mean, ugh. oh no, I agree. I yeah. agree, it's sickening. But at the same time, if you knew about this since last December, yeah, why are you doing and you got the results in July, and you got the results in July, why didn't the university act sooner? Is my yeah, question. That's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, you should. That's what you should have done. Why did you have to wait? You should have took care of it earlier. Then this, then you know, the shit wouldn't have continued on. But you decided to wait, and for what? It doesn't do you any good. And now their whole entire what season has basically been thrown into array. Yeah. Now their whole entire season has been thrown into disarray. Now all of a sudden. Jackass. Uh, what are, What are your thoughts on this, Alex? Yeah, I guess they're hoping miraculously for it to blow over or for the dust to settle and no one to say anything to keep it under wraps. But obviously it came out. Mm-hmm. They should have addressed it back then. So, yeah, yeah. just failed, failed cover-up attempt and really egregious looks terrible on everyone involved. So, I yeah, don't get why every time somebody has a problem with, you know, with the schools and whatnot, they don't hand it right away. They let it drag on for weeks, sometimes months, sometimes even years, you know, if a person got – uh, you know, crime committed against them if they got uh, sexually harassed, uh, raped, or and then usually, and then you know, years later to, to come out forward with it. You know, it's the same mistake you know with Penn State back then. 
They waited, you know, over 40 years to, to come forward. I don't get Why do you wait so long? You know, the longer you wait, the more it's gonna the more it's gonna hurt you in the end. It's gonna torture the you. The worse it looks, the worse it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, in my I opinion, don't know why. in my opinion, in my opinion, as soon as she filed this, I would have suspended him right then and there. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah, you can, yeah, you can then do your investigation, but I would have suspended him right then and there, and I would have allowed the assistants to immediately take over. Absolutely. Now. You know, you know, you know. Now these players had been had been going going through uh, camp and everything under his system, and now all of a sudden they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to divert from his system now over to uh, over to the new the the uh, interim head coach's system for the time being. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just you know, and, and people wonder why they got. It's people box. wonder why they got blown out earlier today. Apparently, oh, they're already kids like leave. looking at the transfer portal or looking to leave. It's just completely blown up the the team, the program. Yeah. Now this uh, this is actually kind of this. You know, th- this is kind of interesting, and uh, I you know I'm looking at it now, and it kind of makes sense. Uh, so Tucker said that, well, well, first off, just to give a little history, uh, Tucker originally hired Tracy to speak with the football team about sexual assault awareness back in August of 2021. She also attended a spring game in 2022 and was named, it's, uh, and she was named the honorary captain for that game for Michigan State. Uh, she told USA Today that she developed a friendly but professional relationship with Tucker after her first speaking engagement with the team. And according to the story, she told investigators that Tucker's romantic interest in her was entirely one-sided. Tucker said in his statement on Monday that they developed a mutually intimate relationship and that Tracy at times encouraged the relationship by inviting and accepting gifts from me. Also in his statement, he stated that Tracy did not object during the April April 2022 phone call when he masturbated and that she did not cut off her relationship with him or the football program afterward. He said she raised objections to the call only after a presentation she was scheduled to give to the team in the summer of 2022 was postponed. He also further contends that he never canceled Tracy's visit but postponed it to January. She chose to file her complaint instead of proceeding with the trading, instead of proceeding um, with the training, he claims. Yeah. And it also, it also says here that uh, Tucker took issue with the upcoming hearing, saying it's designed for infractions involving students and prevents him the chance to present evidence or make substantial arguments that would show his innocence. And also he, he claims that their overall investigation has not been fair or unbiased and theorized that the university's actions could be motivated by its connection to Larry Nasser, who if nobody remembers, if, if nobody uh, remembers, 
Uh, Larry Nasser was the sports physician who worked at Michigan State and USA Gymnastics and was convicted of sexually assaulting numerous athletes. That's all we need is another Nasser. Not a good situation. And he believes that there is an ulterior motive designed to terminate his contract based on some other factors, such as a desire to avoid any Nassar type of taint or his, and of course he throws his race in there, uh, or my race or gender. Uh, and just for people who don't know, Tucker is black uh, throughout, you know, throughout all this. So basically, he's trying to turn this into a race issue now, all of a sudden. Of course. That if it was a white man, he wouldn't be, uh, he wouldn't have been suspended. No. Now, as a result, uh, Mark Gantonio, who was the former MSU coach, uh, he has returned to the program as an associate coach, and he will assist. Uh, Harlan Barnett, as the as Barnett is now the acting head coach, uh, D'Antonio will now assist him in an in a uh, associate coach manner. And as I as I said earlier, they got blown out by number eight Washington earlier today. So, needless to say, it's I think if anything, this is just going to cause such a huge distraction that this should have been handled as soon as it was filed to the university as opposed to waiting for an independent investigator to uh come up with it, to come up with their decision they're trying to handle it internally hoping to god somehow people wouldn't find out but they did so yeah they tried to sweep it under the rug and cover up failed and that never happens. That never happens that you think that something can be swept under the rug. Uh, I don't know yeah, what they that were thinking. Yeah, nothing that big was bound to come out. So they just shot themselves in the foot by not quickly addressing it as soon as it happened. Exactly. Ridiculous circumstances. Yep. All right. Uh, our next bit of news going into, you know what, let's talk some baseball. Uh, because yeah, probably the probably the biggest news of the week, the Boston Red Sox have done the impo- have done the unthinkable. They have fired <laughs> Chief Baseball Officer Hein Bloom, and the reason why I call it unthinkable is because he was doing everything that John Henry wanted to wanted him to do. He was do- he was uh, cutting contracts. He was rebuilding the farm system, and now he is being used as the fall guy for Boston's struggles. And I know I've been critic I know I've been critical of Hein Bloom in the past. Just and I mean it's you know I, I I will say it's justified when you consider some of the some of the players he's brought in here when you oh, consider yeah. some of the scrubs he's brought into this team uh and also the fact that 
the fact that he didn't bother to try and make additions, you know, I think what really cost him his job was the fact that Boston was in a playoff position these last two years. They were in at least the conversation for the playoffs. They were in the conversation, and instead of making a decision, he decided to ride the fence, and he missed out on getting returns for players such as Michael Waka, Xander Bogart, Nathan Eovaldi, James Paxton, who, by the way, even though he's on injured reserve to end the season, I'm pretty sure he's played his final game as a Red Sox. Uh, J.D. Martinez. There were so many players last year that he could have traded at the deadline. And at least he would have made, you know, at least he would have made a statement like, like we, like we don't think we can make the World Series this year, so we're going to sell to benefit ourselves or to try and benefit for the future. That would have been fine. I think that would have been fine. Yeah. But instead, he decided, oh, no, we're going to buy and sell. I'm going to acquire Tommy Pham, but I'm also going to get rid of certain players to try and, uh, to try and restock our, uh, to try and restock our uh, you know, our cupboards, so to speak, which I will say the Christian Vasquez deal does actually look pretty good uh, now that both players that he got in that deal – have seen extended uh, major league uh, time this past year. Uh, Valdez saw extended time, and Willier Abreu right now actually has been with the team, I think, since the beginning of August. So, um, you know, that deal doesn't look that bad uh, now. Uh, He made a deal to get rid of Kike Hernandez this year. But there are some other things, too. Uh, According to Rob Bradford, who is one of the insiders, uh, he's very connected inside the Red Sox organization. Heim Bloom had the opportunity last year to trade Chris Sale and dump the remainder of his contract in return for players, but Bloom declined the offer. It would have been basically reminiscent of the Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford deal that Finn had made with the Dodgers all the way back when. The chicken and beer incident, so to speak. Right. And uh, Boston decided, or, and Heim decided not to make this offer, uh, which, if anybody remembers, that deal allowed Boston to free up the salary space in order to build a championship winner for 2013. So Heim refused to do that, even though he had, even though he had an offer on the table for Chris Dale uh, last season, and he chose not to do it. And also, he apparently attempted to trade Alex Verdugo at the deadline this year for Clark Schmidt of the New York Yankees. And he chose not to do that either. Even though the Red Sox clearly had a, had a surplus in the outfield, they had a huge logjam 
in the outfield, then clearly somebody had to go, whether it was going to be Verdugo or potentially Adam Duvall. A lot of people thought it was going to be Duvall, if anything, that would go. Uh, so there was an offer for Clark Schmidt, and I don't know if it was Hein Bloom that rejected it or if it was Brian Cashman that rejected it, but needless to mm. say, that deal didn't go through. So now uh, Boston is facing finishing dead last in the AFC or in the uh, AL East for the second straight season. And now their job, now it looks like uh, they're looking at the general manager from the Dodgers to potentially uh, come in and take over for Heim Bloom, which technically, uh, an upgrade, uh, you know, going from general manager to chief baseball officer would actually be a promotion, yeah. technically. Um, it was also announced that Brian O'Halloran, who is a longtime executive with the Red Sox, won't remain in his position as general manager. So he uh, will instead go into a new senior leadership position within the baseball operations department. So they have to get not just a new president of baseball operations, but now they have to get rid that. Now they have to get a new general manager. Uh, and as far as who might fill that role, uh, Theo Epstein has officially been ruled uh-huh. out as an option. According to Sam Kennedy of, uh, of the Red Sox, Theo Epstein has right. been ruled out as a potential option. And however, though he does expect that Alex Cora will return as the manager next season, who, regardless of whoever is the uh, is the new GM or president of baseball operations. Now, I, I, let's right. get your thoughts, Lou, on 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 this uh, first, because. I don't know about you, but I, you know, even though I talked a whole bunch of shit about Heim Bloom all this time, I was yeah. stunned that that was they on. actually had the ball fire him. Yeah, that did come a shock to a lot of people. So I had, to, I got to do on that one. So I'm trying to figure it out myself. Now here's the thing, though. Do you think? Do you think Bloom deserves all of the uh, all of the blame for Boston's no. struggles since 2018? No, of course not. No, it has to be more than it has to be more than just that. Yeah, I mean, everybody I think is responsible for you know what happened during that during the year 2018. Not just not just the owner. Well, 2018 obviously was the last time they won the World Series uh, under Dave Dombrowski. But then uh, after Dombrowski left, then Heim Bloom was brought in to basically restack the cupboard, so to speak, which, you know, many would argue that he did do. I mean, you take a look at the prospects that he has uh, that the Red Sox have now under him, players like – Players like Marcelo Meyer, Roman Anthony, Kyle Teal, Zidane yes. Rafaela. Uh, although Rafaela, though, I think was a, uh, I think he, I think he was a uh, Dave Dombrowski prospect, though. Um, 
But also, uh, you know, Brian, Brian Bayo was another one who developed under Heim Bloom's staff, even though he was a, uh, a signee by Dave Dombrowski's crew. So, you know, Heim Bloom, even though he had his swings and misses, if if this uh-huh. crop of prospects wins the World Series, that will technically be credited to Heim Bloom yeah. for having drafted them. Now, of course, he can be blamed as well, though, for the Mookie Betts deal and not getting more out of uh, not getting more out of the Dodgers for Mookie Betts. You know, only getting. Jeter Downs, Connor Wong, and Alex Verdugo, which only two of the three are still with Boston as of now. But uh, what what are your thoughts on this, Alex? Of uh, of Hein Bloom officially being fired by the uh, by the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, I mean there was a time it was the time for a change because the deadline inactivity where he just didn't add any value or any power to their bullpen or their dugout. I mean, that was the kiss of death for him. It was time for a change. He didn't do enough yeah. to the deadline. You know, just, and then the CL news and stuff like that. They needed to write. He had some good draft picks, like you said. They have some good young players now, but yeah, it's time for a new yeah. new guy upstairs. So it was a matter of time. I'm glad they got it done. Now, do you think he is yeah. all to blame, though, for their struggles? Uh, ultimately, some, a lot comes yeah. down to the players, but they got to perform. But I mean, he, yeah, the deadline was just a total failure for him trying to play small market Tampa when he's in the big market of Boston. No reason why he shouldn't have spent more money or added more contact. Right. That's ownership too. So that's also ownership. Maybe his hands were tied a little bit, but it seems like he just didn't do enough, and he got shown the door. Now, uh, Michael Marino of uh, MLB Network actually asked or no he's an MLB reporter not from MLB network but he asked an AL executive what the killer was for Heim Bloom's tenure in Boston and it it was described as Heim was too indecisive struggled to make final determinations on anything and wasn't good at balancing all of the voices in the room great he's a great baseball mind but not a great leader Mm, interesting. So basically what that tells me, that kind of tells me that a lot of the decisions he made were basically picked out of the blue, that there was no foregone conclusion as to, okay, we're going to make this move or we're going to make that move. Wow. You know, we're going to get these yeah. people back from from L.A. for Mookie Betts. We're going to get these people back. That right there tells me that he was expecting other people to do his job for him, essentially, instead of taking leadership himself. That was on his watch, right? The Mookie Betts. The Mookie Betts, the worst, definitely in their team. One of the worst teams, one of the worst trades in Major League history. That was on him or on Dombrowski? Oh yeah, no, that was on that was on him. That was the very first thing that he that's had to right. do. Yeah, I mean, right there, that's like so damning. That's just a really bad mark for him. 
that deal. I mean, trading Mookie Betts like that was just awful. Yeah, I think it was overdue. Just this this past season where they showed like a lot of glimmer of hope and a lot of hope, you know, they had momentum, they had a playoff run, it looked like ready, and then they just fell flat. He had to go. Yes, his creation, he had to go. Yeah, now I hope. Uh, you know, I've heard um, in terms of Hein Bloom's replacement, I've heard that they are looking at certain certain people. Uh, the guy from uh, from L.A. is one of them. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Brandon Gomes, who's a Fall River Mass native, and also I believe he is a former player too, as well. Yeah. Uh, Alex Cora apparently is not interested, even though he did say that one day he wants to become a front office member. Um, Sounds like he is not interested. Uh, James Click, anybody remember remember that name? Yeah, I think I do. He led Astros to last year's World Series, and then he got fired. Uh, he was hired in the wake of the sign-stealing scandal that cost uh, Jeff Lunau his job. Uh, mm-hmm. Click now works for the Blue Jays as a vice president of baseball yeah. strategy, and uh, it's obviously unknown as to whether or not he'd consider another number one job, but his name is out there uh, as Boston potentially uh, for an option. And like like Hein Bloom, Click is a Yale graduate with extensive Tampa Bay Ray ties after spending 15 years in the Tampa organization. Uh, also, not to mention, he, he also uh, managed the deal that sent Christian Vasquez to, to uh, Houston last year. So he's already dealt with Boston before. However, if there is a concern about Click, though, is that it might be that he's too Tampa, like Heim Bloom. He wasn't particularly aggressive at three trade deadlines with the Astros. And on his watch, the Astros lost three agents like George Springer and Carlos Correa. So a lot of people may consider him as basically a Heim Bloom 2.0. Uh, another player as well is Sam, or another uh, another uh, potential person is Sam Fold, who has ties with Boston, actually. Uh, he did spend eight years in the majors, including three with the Tampa, Ray, with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he has multiple Red Sox connections, and kind of interesting, though, uh, is that had Alex Cora not returned from his suspension to resume managing the team, it was likely that Sam Fold would have been named as the head coach of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he came highly recommended from the Philadelphia Phillies, where he had worked closely with former Red Sox outfielder Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Instead... Fold remained in Philly under uh, Dave Dombrowski, serving as their general manager since December of 2020. 
And, you know, like, uh, like Brandon Gomes, who is the LA Dodgers uh, general manager, he, ha- he he has never run a baseball operations group before, but he has been a part of some excellent teams uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies and would bring a wide range of experience to the job. Uh, another another guy they're potentially looking at, two guys actually, uh, Mike Elias, the general manager and executive vice president of the Orioles, and... They're also looking at – hang on. Let me find the guy's name. It's got a, He's got a weird – Yeah. He's got a weird name. Um, let's see. Uh, Sig Mejdal, the vice president and assistant general manager of analytics for the Orioles. Uh, being looked at as a potential option as well, which according to uh, certain Yankee fans that I follow on Twitter, uh, in particular uh, uh, Eric Hubs from Barstool Sports, uh, he dubbed it as a quote-unquote nightmare possibility if uh, the the Red Sox were to be able to pry Mejdal from Baltimore to become their new head of baseball operations. So hopefully whoever Boston takes, they actually, you know, this guy is actually going to have the balls to make some decisions and be a leader as opposed to, as opposed to asking everybody else, what do you guys want to do? So all I know is that, uh, you know, I think Boston kind of saw what the potential hazards would be for sticking with Bloom any longer. And I think they saw the potential that fans may actually, in, in, in John Henry's eyes, do the unthinkable and not go to games as long as this team was being run by Heim Bloom. Now, one player that could potentially be on Boston's radar, assuming that if they make, uh, I'll tell you right now, if Boston gets uh, uh, that big star pitcher out of Japan, Yamamoto, there may be more than one Japanese pitcher heading to Boston this offseason. Uh, Shohei Otani, who has a he has a relationship with the head of uh, New Balance, who just happens to be one of the sponsors of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he is mm-hmm. done for the season, and his locker was officially cleaned out yesterday before the Angels officially announced his move to the injured list uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, He is expected, I believe, to, uh, uh, even though they say he's on the injured list with an oblique injury, uh, he is expected to potentially have Tommy John surgery. 
though it says here that he is seeking second opinions on that. However, needless to say, whatever team that grabs him is going to have to give up big money this offseason. And it sounds like Boston could potentially be a player for him. Their new, uh, if their new general manager and ba- and uh, baseball operations head decides that they want to be aggressive early on. But now with Otani officially done for the postseason, and. Obviously, you know, the, uh, we know all those players that they put on on, uh, on waivers that ended up being claimed. That now leads to the question, what's going to happen with Mike Trout? Will Mike Trout stick around? In, will he stay in L.A.? Or will he get moved? And it sounds like it is up to Trout whether or not he want, whether or not he gets moved. Yeah. Now, if I'm Trout and I want to win a World Series, obviously my answer would be yes. So, you know, I think the question here is, Anna, you know, does Anaheim have any realistic shot at re-signing Otani? No. No, that's otherwise, that's if, no. They'll try, but there's no way. And I, I don't. There's, I don't. There's any way they can re-sign him. All indications point to him sailing away. I mean, Locker cleaned out already. Ominous injury at the end. They might have been able to help with that a little bit better, and then. The failed playoff run. Trout, the other superstar, his sidekick, always being injured. Not enough pitching. Just let down after let down. I think I think he's gone. He's done. He's done with it. I was gonna. I, I was gonna say otherwise. Uh, you know, if they're if they if if they can't keep Otani, they might as well start talking with teams this off season about about trading. Yeah. Uh, about trading Mike Trout. Yeah, I think and Trout's in particular, two teams have already Trout's popped up. Trout's going to want to leave, and they'd be wise to move him. It's time to restart things. Right. And in particular, two teams have already popped up on the list uh, for Mike Trout as a potential trade destination, uh, one of them being the New York Yankees and uh-huh. the other being the Philadelphia Phillies. However, you know, I would actually lean towards I would lean towards Philly in this scenario because in my opinion, I don't think the Yankees have the prospects to be able to make it happen. I mean, they would have to they would probably have to give up uh what's his name? We just got injured. Jason Dominguez. They probably have to give up Dominguez yeah. in a deal. And I don't think they want to do that, considering his uh, considering his potential ceiling in the uh, in the 
in the majors. I don't think that they want to that they want to go and do that. So no, and it would be stupid, obviously, of LA to lower their price at all for Mike Trout. Right. So I would be doing him a favor if they traded him to Philly. If they traded him to Philly, they'd be they would. Be, I think yeah. he'd, want to, he'd want to go to Philly. He's from the that, that area, so he'd be going home. Um, I don't know if they have the problem right. though either. I just don't know. Well, I think I, I, I think they Philly don't. has a better shot than New York. Yeah, yeah. Our Angels got to get pitching. I'd say three good prospects back for him. I mean, you could probably potentially throw Mick Abel in there. Yeah. If you want to talk about pitching prospects. I'd ask for four prospects right away at the Angels and then see see where the trade talks go. Maybe there's other players that step up and and offer awesome prospects. So he could could get shipped somewhere else, too. I mean, there's Mick – if they want pitching, there's Mick Abel, there's Andrew Painter – there's a couple of pitching prospects that they could potentially get from Philly as part of that deal. Um, yeah. There is There's a question, there is a question looming so. around. Yeah. There is a question looming around that maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps San Francisco might get in the mix. Uh-huh. And I believe they have the prospects, don't they? Yeah, aren't, aren't, yeah, aren't, aren't they one of the uh, yeah, Alex, aren't they one Kyle of the higher uh, ranks? Yeah, Kyle Harrison, their top prospect pitcher, just came right. up. They could offer him, and then uh, they have a couple of nice outfielders, kind of like the Red Sox do. A couple of young yeah. guys in the wings. You'd want a replacement for Shroud in center field, who's like 21, and then a couple arms at least. I mean, I'd yeah, ask Kyle Harrison. What they can get? Kyle Harris. Kyle Harrison. Their top prospect is number twenty in the main, in MLB's top one hundred list. Uh, they have Marco Luciano, a shortstop, at twenty six. They got. Where's their next one? Yeah, their next one is Carson Wisenhunt at number seventy. He's a left-handed pitcher. And that's it for the top 100 for for San Francisco. So San Francisco does have a few uh, a few top 100 prospects if they really want to make that happen. And I mean, obviously Philly. You look at Philly; they got Andrew Painter, they got Mick Abel. Uh, both are above the 50 mark in terms of top prospects uh, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, they also got Justin Crawford at number 77. They got Aiden Miller at number 90. Philly has quite a few prospects in the top 100. If they want to make that happen, that they could potentially do that. Yeah. So that's long. It could be a very. Trout grew up there. He's always at Eagles games. I mean, that'd be going home for Trout. Homecoming. Yeah. Right. I mean, it could, it could be it could be a very interesting uh, a very interesting trade market for Mike Trout if they decide to open the uh, floodgates officially. And by the way, uh, 
by the way, prayers go out to former Philadelphia Phillies manager Charlie Manuel uh, after yeah. he suffered a stroke earlier today while undergoing a medical procedure in a Florida hospital. Uh, they say the next 24 hours will be very crucial to his recovery. Um, the 79-year-old manager uh, managed the Phillies for nine seasons from 2005 to 2013, including a World Series title back in 2008. Uh, he also spent three years as a manager in Cleveland from 2000 to 2002. Uh, under Manuel, they won five consecutive NL East titles from 2007 to 2011. And, of course, they beat the Tampa Bay Rays in 2008 for the, for the city's first major professional sports championship since 1983. And, actually, uh, he had, out of a 1,000 win and 828 loss record as a major league manager, he, 780 of those wins came with the Phillies, and he was inducted into the team's Wall of Fame back in 2014. Uh, he has since been working as a senior advisor to the general manager uh, ever since retiring. Uh, according to the actual report, too, it says that uh, they ended up having to remove a blood clot from uh, during during the uh, the whole procedure, and that's yeah. when he officially uh, when he officially suffered a stroke. So hopefully he can uh, hopefully he can recover and uh, be back on his feet soon. Uh, let's see here. A uh, little bit, a little. Uh, piece of news kind of staying in Major League Baseball. Uh, the Rangers, so not only are they without Max Scherzer for the rest of the season and the playoffs yeah. potentially, uh, if they make the playoffs, they will be without him. Uh, but now they well, actually, no. That's not this. This other piece isn't really news. Uh, Ian Kennedy didn't really didn't really break the roster at all, but he was placed on the sixty day injured list, so his season is over. But more importantly, Max Scherzer. If they make the playoffs, not having Scherzer in their rotation is going to be a huge loss for uh, for that organization, especially a team who probably has had the best team they've had in years. And also, uh, Tampa Bay, they will be without Jose Siri for at least the next three weeks due to an injury for him. It sounds like uh, he will be able to return at some point during the first round of the playoffs. Oh, actually, here's one. One of the guys that Boston was seemingly in the running for, for president of baseball operations, David Stern, has instead agreed with the New York Mets to become their president of baseball yeah. operations. He was running yeah. show in Milwaukee for a bit. Good Brewers moves. Yeah, he, he could be good. Yeah. Sir. Time for a new change in, in Mets land as well. 
And in particular, it's a five-year deal. And uh, Andy Martino of of SNY also added that Billy Epler will stay on in his general manager position. Uh, and obviously, you know, obviously, you know, everybody knows about Stearns when it comes to his uh, moves that he made out in Milwaukee. Uh, but that's gonna that's gonna do it for. Oh, one other bit of news uh, in the NHL. Two-time Stanley Cup winner Andrew Ladd officially retired from the NHL at the age of 37. Uh, so in 1,001 career NHL regular season games, uh, he recorded 256 career goals and 294 career assists. So the former two-time Stanley Cup winner has officially called it a career and with that being said, uh, that is the end of our show for tonight. Uh, big thank you to Lou, uh, to Alex and Diane for joining us. And a big thank you to Jim Early, whom without his help, we wouldn't be able to bring this show to you on a weekly basis. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And a reminder, the Big Brother 25 recap podcast next Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. We will cover the entire double eviction that's set to take place uh, this upcoming week. Uh, Everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Great show, everybody, tonight. And, yeah, everybody have a great rest of your weekend. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.